Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Batter Round. We're coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, and the Batter Round is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am back after my bra- my brief weekend hiatus last week. Zach, I went down to Florida. I called a spring training game at Ed Smith Stadium um, last Sunday. Orioles lost that game 12-7. to They gave up six home runs to the Minnesota Twins. A couple of them were wind-aided. Uh, there was one that looked like a pop-up that, uh, that got out. Another one that was a broken bat off the fists that got out. Wind was blowing out at Ed Smith Stadium. Dude, we went to Florida, and it was... Okay, so up here, yesterday, it was 82 degrees. It was beautiful. It was. T- today, it's going to be in the 70s. Down in Florida... We went down there, and I actually, we went to a bar after the game, a Mexican um, taco and bourbon bar uh, in the city of Sarasota, and the manager there happened to be from Edgewood. He's from really? Har- he was okay. from Hartford County. He asked me where in Maryland I was from. I said, Hartford County. It's like 30 minutes north of Baltimore. He goes, oh, yeah, I went to Edgewood. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but anyway, he was telling us that those were the, the, the two days that we were down there were the two worst days they've had this entire spring. It was cold. It was overcast. It was windy. When I say cold... It was Florida cold. It was like 63 degrees, 64 degrees for a high. Um, we went to Siesta Key on Saturday, and it was it was a, it was a nice day. Unfortunately, Laura got a little sick, not from drinking. She just randomly got sick because uh, she hadn't had that much to drink. So, I uh, I drank the rest of her drinks. So I, <laughs> I was feeling pretty nice. They had a they had a musician there who was really super talented. I I, I even told Laura I was like I can't believe this guy never made it. His voice he sounded like Justin Timberlake. But better, oh, okay. but better. Okay. His voice was incredible. But anyway, it was like 68 degrees. We go to the game at Smith Stadium Complex on on Sunday, and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt because it's Florida in March. Well, that was a mistake. I sat there in the bleachers, feeling like I was in Maryland in March. It was 63 degrees, windy, overcast, and we were under the overhang. It felt like it was 45 degrees. It was so freaking cold. I was miserable. It's just like being up here. <laughs> up here, it's been it's been quite miserable. But we had that you know great day yesterday. I don't know if, if you enjoyed that, but that, oh, was, that I was fantastic. I actually made a U-turn. I was headed to the gym yesterday, and I went outside, and I was like, oh, my God, it's hot. So yeah, I, it, I started heading nice. to the gym. I was like, I can't wait. I can't go to the gym and then go directly to work and, and, and miss out on this great weather. So I t- did a U-turn. I went to the batting cages, and then I worked out of my garage. So I got to so with the garage no, door. No open, losses there. Yeah, it was it was it was a great day. By the way, as we were waiting for our Uber outside of Ed Smith Stadium, who did I run into? But Jeff Arnold and Melanie Newman wow. walking down the street, and so I got to meet them in person. Uh, put put. I mean, I already knew what their faces looked like, but they've never seen my face unless you know they have. I don't. I, but we got to meet in person. It was nice. It was a treat for my fiance because Laura. Loves women who are pioneers in all things, and Melanie is certainly a pioneer in the broadcasting industry. Um, being one of four female broadcasters in Major League Baseball, and they were she was sweet as pie. Jeff was nice as can be. Really, two great individuals. It's nice when broadcasters, local broadcasters, aren't jerks. And you know what I'm talking about, Zach. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, five days until opening day. Starting rotation is beginning to take shape. John Means gets the ball on opening day. It's looking like it's going to be Dean Kramer getting the ball in Game 2 on Saturday. And Matt Harvey, who had his contract purchased, is going to be getting the the Rock probably in uh, Game 3 against the Red Sox next Sunday in Fenway Park. I can't believe I get to talk about regular season baseball 
being played next Sunday. I, I can't believe we get to talk about Matt Harvey being in the starting rotation for the Orioles. That that's something. Yeah, I, I, something I really didn't expect that that happened this week. Is it is certainly if you had told me that of the three guys that they brought in on minor league deals, the three veterans, that Matt Harvey would be the one to make the rotation, I never would have believed same, you. Same here. That That is, it's quite surprising. I mean, they, they purchased the contract, and he had pitched well. He was hitting 96 on the gun. There were some good things going for Matt Harvey. I saw a few of his of his videos, and, and there was good break. His pitches had nice shape. I mean, they looked solid. But my confidence level in Matt Harvey being a even useful starter for the Orioles this year, it's pretty low. I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in him. Like you said, I would have liked to seen Felix or maybe even, I don't know, Wade LeBlanc versus Matt Harvey. You could go on and on about those guys. I'm not sure either of them have it. But I would even rather have seen Felix contract at per, uh, purchase and, and him been in the rotation instead of Matt Harvey. But, well, and, and that could still happen. You could have you you seen it if he didn't have the, come down with the elbow soreness. And, and he threw a light, Felix Hernandez threw a light bullpen the other day, uh, experienced no discomfort. But the fact of the matter is he's not, he's not stretched out yet. So... He's probably going to begin the year on the 10-day IL. There's going to be opportunity in this Orioles rotation. Um, you're looking at uh, Keegan Aiken got optioned to the minor leagues. This is a guy who came up and he 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 had the second lowest the second lowest ERA on the team and uh, as far as a starting pitcher. And actually, he may have had, no. I think John Means was a tick or two lower, but um, Keegan Aiken had had a Four five two ERA last year starts this year at AAA because he was that bad in the uh, he was that bad in spring training. So he gets option. Wade LeBlanc requests his release and then he comes back. Requests his release is granted it and then the next day he's back on a split contract. What do you make of that? I have no idea what the deal is with that. Um, apparently we're experiencing audio issues. Um, I've, maybe it's better now. I, I think it is better now. I think I fixed it. So never mind. But for that first six minutes, I apologize. We we're experiencing, uh, experiencing audio issues. Wade LeBlanc, you know, he's a guy that I, I really didn't enjoy last year. You know, he had an eight plus ERA. It's, it's surprising to me that he opted out and immediately got brought back the next day. Um, you know, I, I think that LeBlanc is somewhat usable because he is a lefty and he is kind of crafty and he does have some decent breaking stuff but it's it's another guy who's just kind of past his prime I, I don't love it I'm not you know I'm not really excited about it if that makes sense um I, I really like would like to see Zimmerman get a shot I'm, I'm so excited to see what Zimmerman's got and Wade LeBlanc you know they brought him back 700k it's cheap enough I guess it's a depth move you know I was talking to some people on Twitter and everyone's a little bit mixed about it but it, it is a depth move and it is what it is, I guess. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that if yeah. he requested his release and was granted it, did he really? Did he really spend twelve hours on the free agent market and, and said, "I can't get a deal"? Uh, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. And he came back for a hundred thousand dollars less than what he was supposed right. to get. Right. So I, I don't know what what the deal is there. I don't know what was happening with that. Um, but he's back. He was either going to be the bullpen or he's going to be in the rotation. The fact of the matter is, he only. He, I don't know that he pitched enough. He only got eight innings. This spring, and I don't know if the Orioles want to have that guy right. in the rotation. That to me screams bullpen. But then you look at Bruce Zimmerman. Bruce Zimmerman, through no fault of his own, only had three appearances and nine innings. So it was 
It's it's kind of a small sample size, even though it went well for both of them. It, it's a small sample size, and you've said it before. I mean, you can look at spring training stats and talk about them all day, but oftentimes they're a little bit misleading. You you can look at what Wade LeBlanc did in 2020, that eight ERA, and I believe it was only six or seven starts. So that's not a huge sample size either, but what you do in spring – is not always generally a fantastic representation of what you are as a pitcher, in my opinion at least. So, you know, while Wade LeBlanc pitched well, I'm not sure he's going to be more than just a, a little bit usable. And then, and then Bruce Zimmerman, he's not really stretched out either, like you said. So it's kind of a murky situation right now for the Orioles. I think, you, you know, you have Means, you have Kramer, and you have Harvey now, who look to be stretched out and look to be locks in this rotation, but they're still guys... It, it just doesn't really. It, it's a it's a crowded situation right now. Well, Jorge Lopez, uh, yeah, go, going into going into his start last night, he pitched really well in his three relief appearances. You know, in three relief appearances, uh, one earned run, eleven strikeouts, and nine innings pitched uh, with just three hits. But then in his two starts, nine earned runs, five total. Uh, I wrote that backwards. Five earned runs, nine total, with 12 hits and just three strikeouts and five and two-thirds innings pitched. But then he goes out against the Yankees last night, and he goes against the Yankees' A lineup. It, it, basically, their A lineup, if you if you think that Brett Gardner is part of the A lineup at this point in his I, career. but Fair enough. Five innings, two hits, one walk. Five strikeouts. We'll take that every day, and and that's also nice because three strikeouts. Uh, you know, as at this point in the season, this point in the spring, in the spring, you know, guys have started to to get to that point where they're almost ready to go. You know, every Yankee hitter. I mean, they're they're you know less than a week out from uh, opening day now. These guys are ready. They're all amped up. You know, and and Jorge Lopez does that against the starting Yankees lineup. That's that's pretty nice. I mean, I I, I can't. Jorge Lopez is great stuff. I can't expect a lot out of him. I still am, am very hesitant to say that Jorge Lopez will be, again, even more than a usable guy for the Orioles. I think he's better than LeBlanc. I think he might be better than Felix. Probably better than Harvey, too, because his stuff is that good. I just don't know really what we can actually expect out of Jorge Lopez. I, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's a, a full-time starting pitcher at this point in his career. Well, let's be honest, man. Uh, this is this is a uh, bridge the gap year for sure. Definitely, it's, you know what I mean. So you're looking at John Means and Dean Kramer are likely the only two guys they're going to yeah. start this year in the rotation. That will also end, assuming health, that will also end the year. In this rotation. Right. You assume Lowther, Ballman, there's some guys, even Wells, who's injured right now, but he could come up and, and make a you know make a statement. And there's some guys that are right on the really right on the cusp of the majors that we've talked about a lot. So you're right. You know, these guys won't generally finish with the Orioles, but right now it it, it might be a little bit of a train wreck and kind of a murky situation, like I mentioned before, with the starting rotation, especially that back end of it. Well, yeah, and then speaking of guys who are right on the cusp, let's look at these rule five guys. You have Tyler Wells. Man, he dominated the Yankees last he night. He did. Three innings in relief. Again, again the, his first two innings were against their, their regulars. He had no hits allowed, one walk, six strikeouts in three innings. This is a big, big guy. Six foot eight, 250 pounds. That, that ball, because of his reach, his fastball is probably on you a lot quicker because he's not releasing it until about 54 feet. Right. right? So th- that's a guy who... He's Max Scaroller has pitched well as well. You, you look at his; they both pay, uh, pitched. I think it was against the Twins. Uh, did not pitch well in this one particular game. Scaroller gave up five runs in a third of an inning. Um, 
and and uh, Tyler Wells. He gave up a run in that inning. But those are the only two appear the only appearances they were scored upon. Scaroller has been scoreless in his other four outings, but he only has the three strikeouts. Whereas uh, Tyler Wells has what twelve strikeouts in nine innings pitched and just six hits allowed. This is a guy who I think profiles really well, and I think the Orioles are going to want to hang on to him. I think if they're going to keep a Rule 5, and I think they will, it's going to be Tyler Wells. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not entirely on board with the the Rule 5 situation this year. I've liked it in past years. You know, I was really all about keeping Richie Martin on the roster, Anthony Santander a few years ago. I, I don't think Tyler Wells or Max Aroller will give you a great year that you can keep them on the 162 game, you know, 162 game schedule, and you can keep them on the roster every day. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I, I'm, you know, Tyler Wells, maybe Max Scroller. I haven't seen enough of him, and I haven't seen enough good innings from him to make that statement yet. Um, but I, do, I do like Tyler Wells, like you said, he's a huge guy. He throws hard. His stuff's pretty good. Um, is he going to be a guy who can be a guy for the Orioles for 162 games? I'm not sure, but I, I think that. You know the Orioles will at least give it a shot, especially with some of the injuries they've had, like Hunter Harvey, Felix Hernandez. So they might give him that shot. Now, I, I honestly, I, I kind of hope they do, but I'm not totally on board with him being there the whole season. Well, the the whole thing is you take this guy in the Rule Five, and you bring him in and see if he can stick on your roster. Right. He's been one of your best pitchers all spring. He has. He's yeah. been one of your best pitchers all spring. So there, the only reason that you don't bring him north with the club and give him the opportunity. If he's pitched this well, is because you don't have room on the roster. But if you don't have room on the roster, there was no point in taking him anyway. Right, and let's not forget who they left off the 40-man roster to get two of these right. guys. Zach Pop, who's now you know looking to be a really, really solid relief pitcher for Miami. They could have put him on the 40-man roster, yep. put him in AAA, you know, brought him up midseason, and you wouldn't have to have him on the roster for 162 games like you do the Rule 5 guys. So you know maybe that makes Mike Elias think, well, we got to keep Tyler th- Wells because we did that for Zach It's in the back Pop. of their mind. It's sure. in the back of their mind that, hey, we lost Zach Pop. Maybe we should have protected him. Okay, well, let's see what we can get and really give. Right. Tyler Wells was always the guy since the two picks were made, he was the guy where it's like, he's probably the better of the two. And right. and Max Roller, this has nothing to do with his pitch ability. You can tell he's Ben McDonald's nephew. Really he, looks like He him. looks like really looks He like looks like Ben McDonald. He, I, when he was on the mound, I, before I even thought about the fact that he was his nephew, I was like, wow, he looks like Ben McDonald. I was like, duh, he's his nephew. He, he really looks like Ben McDonald. Now, uh, getting to the offense here, Pedro Severino starting to have better at bats and do some damage here. When I was at the game last Sunday, he homered. It was a laser beam home run in his first at bat. His next at bat, he ripped one down the line at third baseman, made a nice play, but really barreled the ball nicely. He started the season just one for 23, uh, the, the grapefruit season, one for 23 with one RBI, no extra base hits. Last four games, five for 14, three doubles, a home run, and five RBIs. It's good to see because between he and San Francisco, there was not much room for optimism. Yeah, I mean, Cisco, man, he's not having a good spring. No, he's not. He he's trying a little bit too hard. Probably he's pressing, and a lot of guys press in spring. So that's not only chance Cisco, but yeah, I, I talked about it last week on the show that the catching situation doesn't look great to me. It really, it, it's it's a problem because you need good defense all around, and the Orioles right. don't have a lot of amazing defenders. You have Michael Franco and, and Trey Mancini on the corners who are okay and you have Ryan Malcastle who's still learning left field and then you add in that your young pitchers are working with these two catchers who 
their defensive and pitch calling profiles, none of them are that good. They just haven't really had that much success. You know, pass balls and wild pitches, that's like a, a, a you know, everyday thing for those guys, which is not the case with some of the veteran catchers you might find, like a, you know, like a Salvador Perez, obviously. So, um, you know, while these guys are, I think, very replaceable, I'm not sure the Orioles will make that move to find a veteran catcher, but I think these guys are extremely replaceable, and I, I'm, I'm upset with the defense they've showed us, really even outside of the offense. Yeah, the the defense was always going to be lacking. It was um, not great last year. It hasn't been great in the year in the years past. Look, the Orioles have an all world talent coming in Adley Rutschman. Right. Some people believe he'll be here sooner rather than later this year. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case. He's not even going to get started until May uh, because of the the pushback in the minor league seasons. So I think that we should temper our enthusiasm simply because of the fact that. Minor league, minor league, the minor leagues are still going to be playing meaningful games in September. They usually don't play in September. And if Adley Rutschman's on the team in Double A that has DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, there's a good chance that they're going to be pay- playing for the postseason, and they're going to want him down there to help that team win a championship. It's spe- if he's not helping the big league ball, ball, now look, if the Orioles head into the middle of August and they're a game or two out of a wild card, we might see Adley Rutschman. But that's more than likely not going to be the case. So you're not going to see Adley Rutschman unless... I, I just I used to think we were going to see him in September. I don't know that we're going to see him at all this year. Yeah, I think COVID pushed that back a little bit. We have, we have COVID to blame for that for sure. But even like a guy like Brian Holiday, who, who played a little bit for the Orioles last year, he was their third catcher in the August and September months. You know, I don't mind a guy like him coming in and being the backup catcher just for defensive purposes. Brian Holiday can call better pitches and be a better defender. You know, maybe maybe save some runs with his glove compared to a guy like Chance Sisko. You know, Chance Sisko, he has an option left. I think they might want to use it. You know, I, I don't think they're going to. But I, I, if, if I were them, if I were the Orioles, I would consider it for a guy who's more defensively focused. Well, it would be a hell of a catching tandem down to AAA between he and Austin Wins, two yeah. guys with, with a good amount of major league experience. And, and, and Wins has a good glove, too. And so. I, I honestly believe that if the Orioles were in a situation where they were emphasizing Wins, right. you might see a veteran catcher brought in. I, but because of where they are, I think that that's why they're okay moving forward with now, and the other thing you really have to think about is: Are you going to see a different kind of catcher be brought in when guys like Lowther and Zimmerman um, and and Wells and Ballman graduate to the major leagues? Are you going to see a defensive minded catcher so that these pitchers don't get into bad habits and they don't start to kind of lack confidence because of past balls and balls not blocked and and so on and so forth? So other guys having big springs, real quick. I know we got to get to your sounding off segment, Ryan Mountcastle, man. He, the, I'm watching him play the other night, and that dude—he's—he's he's, he's a certified stud. Let's just put are, it that way. You are—we are so lucky to finally have one of these guys yep. in Baltimore. Now he started year two for 19, uh, one home run, one double, five RBIs. Since then, ten for 23, three home runs, four doubles, eight RBIs. Dude absolutely mashes. Yeah. Not only is he going to be in running for rookie of the year, he's going to be in running for a silver slugger in left field. This guy is going to be. When, when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the best hitters in the game. I, I think he's a force already. He, he's a force he already. He is absolutely a force. If he keeps his timing down, because that was what he said really, you know, he struggled with in the early part of spring training. If he keeps that down, he's going to hit the ball very well in 2021 for sure. Another dude, Austin Hayes. The, My God. The, you, come in, you, come into, you come into spring training and it's, oh, he and, he and Cedric Mullins form yeah. a nice platoon. 
He doesn't like that. There's no platoon in my eyes. The, the, the dude's been playing with his hair on fire. He leads the majors in batting average, yeah. second in hits right now in all of Major League Baseball in spring training. This dude came out here. Did you see his hose? His absolute hose? Twice. Twice. But that second throw. That second throw home. Oh my God, it's one of the best throws you're going to see not all e- year. Not even the power, but just the accuracy of it. It was unbelievable. He put that right on the spot, right where Severino mm-hmm. wanted that. I mean, Austin Hayes, we, we've, we've known about the five-tool potential, five-tool talent. I think this is the year he breaks out. I'm predicting if he stays healthy, this is a huge year for Austin Hayes. He can be such a talented player when he puts it all together. Absolutely, and I think if, if he stays healthy this year, we're going to see big things yeah. from Austin Hayes. Uh, Mike Elias said on the broadcast the other day when they were talking to him on Masson, that he thinks that the breakout that he thinks that the breakout player is going to be DJ Stewart this year as soon as he gets healthy and I agree with him. Yeah. We'll get to that. Zach, I think I just made an executive decision. We're going to save your sounding off segment until after the second guest after we talk with we're going to, we're going to have Kobe Perez, the senior director of international scouting for the Orioles. He's going to be on at at uh, 10:50 to talk about the New 22-and-a-half-acre baseball academy opening up in the Dominican Republic. we got John Mioli at 11.35. Everybody's favorite segment. It's like what you said, what America deserves. It's what America deserves. Take the Rake is back because opening day is this coming week. So Take the Rake is back. But right now, um, Zach's going to get on the line. Bob Haney from 105.7 The Fan is joining our program in a matter of moments. He's going to talk to us about the Dominican Republic Academy. He's going to talk to us about the Orioles. If you ever listen to 105.7, you know that Bob Haney is one of those guys. He just know he knows everything there is to know about the Orioles. Really, really knowledgeable guy about the uh, about the Orioles. So we're happy to have him on the program here in a matter of moments. Really excited about this Dominican Academy, and this is one of those things, guys, where. It, People are talking about how, how cheap the Orioles are and how they might be on the move. You don't put that much money into a huge baseball academy in the Dominican Republic if A, you're cheap, and B, if you're on the move. The Orioles are here to stay, and this baseball academy is one of the big reasons why this is going to be so huge for the future of this franchise. You talk about the Orioles just now getting into the international market. Their first two contracts of over seven figures to international prospects, and and now they're doing this baseball academy. This is so huge. I can't even, I can't overstate it. Um, but joining us now in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio is Bob Haney from 1057 The Fan. Bob, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're, we're certainly happy to have you, man. I was, I've been wanting to get you on the program for a really long time because when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, there aren't many people that are more knowledgeable than, than you are. Um, so really appreciate you coming on this morning. Now, Bob, uh, you had Kobe Perez on the on your program the other day. We're going to have him on right after you today. The Orioles are unveiling plans for a 22-and-a-half-acre baseball academy in the Dominican Republic. What does this mean for the future of the franchise, and what does this tell people who have called the Orioles cheap and think the team is moving out of Baltimore? I think it's huge. It, uh, putting a foothold in the Dominican market with a state-of-the-art facility is something that, quite frankly, I don't think any of us saw coming, you know, a couple of years ago. As tepid as the Orioles were in uh, trying to cultivate that ground, and and it's going to help recruiting the players there. It's going to, as Kobe told us a couple of days ago, I mean, the Dominican players that are on the current Major League roster, they now have a place to train in the offseason. I think this is a huge financial commitment 
from the organization. And like you, I think the Orioles were moving to Nashville or Vegas. I mean, that was all pipe dream talk. I mean, but this is a major step forward for them as an organization. And, you know, embracing the new wave of how, uh, you know, you cultivate the talent. So uh, hats off to ownership. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for this thing to really start to roll because I heard you talking about when I was going uh, to come on the show actually investing money now in the international signing. Are they ready to spend $3 million on a prospect? Maybe not yet, but they will eventually, instead of just getting a quantity versus quality, now they're just kind of mixing it together. So as an Oriole fan, I'm real excited about this news this week. Uh, It's certainly exciting, and it's nice to see this team finally get back on the level with the other big teams in, in Major League Baseball and saying, hey, some of the best talent in the Major Leagues comes from the international market, and we need to be right in the thick of this. Now, another reason, Bob, for Orioles fans to be excited is the return of Trey Mancini, and he seems to be back and picking up where he left off. What are your expectations for Trey Mancini? It seems like he hasn't missed a beat. No, I think it's a pick up where he left off in 2019. I mean, the power bat's there. You saw him go deep to the opposite field uh, the other day. I mean, I guess he's still trying to get his uh, get a little more sharp at first base defensively since he's been playing the outfield a lot uh, last few seasons in the major leagues. But I expect Trey Mancini to hit his 20-plus, push 30 homers, you know, hit 280 and above, and be a big run producer for the Orioles in the middle of the lineup. I mean, what happened last year was horrible and scary, and to have him back, the face of the organization, is nothing but a positive. Oh, absolutely. Him in the middle of the order, along with Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle, it certainly uh, makes that lineup formidable. The Orioles lineup, Bob, looks like it could score some runs this year. How good can they be, and can this offense help the team keep pace this season? I don't know if they can keep pace over 162, given the uncertain state of the rotation, but you have Speed and Mullins and Hayes. Santander, as you mentioned, he's a run producer. I think he's proven that the last couple of seasons. Mount Castle looked like he was uh, born to hit major league pitching. I mean, there's a potential here. I mean, what are you getting out of uh, third base with Franco? You'll get your share of bombs, but are you going to get your K's and your, you know, your low batting average and, you know, maybe some uh, defensive issues there? But I mean, he's, he's got the potential to help you in a big way, providing power. I mean, with Gal- Alvis, he's hit 20-plus home runs before. Sanchez probably not going to bring you much at second base offensively and behind the plate. I mean, Severino's been struggling all spring, and, you know, Cisco's a guy that flashes at times but tends to go into prolonged slumps. But the outfield really excites me. And on the corners, I think, with Mancini and uh, Franco, I think there's potential there. So the Orioles surprised a lot of people with their run production last year in the 60-game season. I mean, I've you know, middle of the pack. I don't think they're going to be terrible offensively. I think there's there's some potential for some uh, some crooked numbers for the Orioles this year. Bob, you just mentioned uh, before Anthony Santander, and he is a guy who you know he's valued highly. But the Orioles have a lot of wealth already uh, in in the you know in the outfield, especially in their future. Is he a guy that you know you could see being traded, especially with being out of the lineup the past three days? And Brandon Hyde really didn't have too much to say about that. Is that something you could see happening soon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were already whispers. Right? Was it Miami? I believe was. Uh linked to Santander. I mean, they were haggling over 300 grand. And, you know, if, if he continues to trend the way he's been trending as a productive player and as a gold glove finalist 
and right field. I mean, his value is only going to increase. And with the Orioles having a you know ton of prospects, and you mentioned the fact that there's a lot of wealth, if you will, coming up through the farm system, and a lot of the young guys are out of here in the outfield. If you could flip him for more prospects, I could definitely see Michael Elias pulling the trigger on that. Do you think that that's why Santander has been out of the lineup for the last three days? Because they they said that he's been getting work on the backfields, that he's not injured or sick. They just have they just haven't needed to put him in the lineup. But is it more so? Do you think because they might be looking at trade possibilities? Yeah, I don't know in regards to whether or not uh, they're talking about moving him. I mean, you never know. Of course, in a professional sports, so I don't want to speculate. But you know, him being moved at some point this year, I think, could be a reality. Unfortunately, because I like the guy, and I know a lot of Orioles fans have uh, uh, become attached to him. He's a Rule Five guy, he's developed into a you know a pretty high level player, and uh, you know because of finances, he might be on the outs. So, but why he hasn't played the last three days, I have no idea. Uh, Bob, you mentioned a little bit ago that the rotation is going to be a big question mark for the Orioles. We have just five days remaining until opening day. It looks like your top three starters are John Means, Dean Kramer, and Matt Harvey. They optioned Keegan Aiken, even though he didn't pitch well this spring. It was a bit of a surprise to see him optioned last night. Who's getting this fourth, fifth, and maybe even sixth spot in this rotation? Well, you saw Lopez pitch very well yesterday, so he probably helped himself there. Zimmerman's been great down in Florida, and I think he has earned an opportunity to at least be considered as an option there. I mean, do you just stretch out uh, Valdez and that uh, change-up? I mean, do you want that going around the lineup a couple of times? I mean, the, I guess the younger guys, the Bowmans, the Lowders, they're not ready yet, but we'll probably see them at some point. But if I'm guessing, you know, Means, uh, Kramer, uh, Harvey, as you said, Felix Hernandez, who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, but I'd say Lopez, Zimmerman, if I'm projecting, and you mentioned Aiken, we had Ben McDonald on yesterday, and I asked him, you know, did he pitch himself out of the rotation? Is he still secure? And Ben thought that he was, but, you know, the news yesterday, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, his ERA is, what, 10? Yeah. And he did not pitch well the other night against the Pirates right after uh, Hyde had said he wanted to see him be more aggressive in the counts. But, yeah, I was a little, a little surprised that Keegan Aiken's not going to be coming north with the team, but I would expect we'll see him make some starts for the Orioles, probably many in 2021. Yeah, I think you're going to see Aiken in this rotation more often than not this year. But like you said, he got hit around by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who were the worst team in baseball last year, maybe again this year. And, uh, you know, Brenton Hyde tried to put his positive spin on on that performance, saying he threw a lot of strikes and he was really around the zone and he got, he got you know, kind of screwed out of a strikeout here or there. But the bottom line is the pitches that were in the zone were getting hit by the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know what I mean? So is there yeah. anything that you saw from Keegan Aiken's stuff that leads you to believe that maybe he's not where the Orioles thought that he was? I think it was more of a location thing. And it, when he, he was behind an account, and as you know, you fall behind an account, you're probably going to get rocked more often than not. But even when he had the, the account in his favor, he couldn't finish anyone off. He still hits 93, 94 on the gun. He just needs to be a little more deceptive, I guess, and you know, hit his spots instead of hitting bats, which is what we've seen in spring training. So, Bob, I, I want to talk a little bit about Richie Martin because he was optioned yesterday along with Jemai Jones and a few others. Um, you know, a lot of people probably expected Richie to make the sh- uh, to make the the majors this year because he is a guy who's played there in the past. He has a little bit of you know utility man experience. Did that surprise you at all, or did you think Richie was was definitely going to go to the minors? 
Yeah, I think he was just too far behind the curve. I mean, he had the Hammond injury back in January, and, you know, the Laker was a lock to make it as a utility guy. Maybe Jemai Jones was even going to be ahead of him in the pecking order who got option two. I mean, Richie Martin just had bad luck with injuries the last couple of years. I mean, this guy was first-round draft pick by the A's in, what, 15? Uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, when the Orioles claimed him as a Rule 5 guy from Oakland a couple years ago, that maybe by now he'd be kind of entrenched in the, at shortstop because of the, his athleticism. And he started to hit a little bit in 2019. He's just had bad luck with the injuries. So, you know, go to Norfolk, get your swings in, get healthy, and, you know, maybe we'll see him. Who knows? With, you know, we talk about trades. If Galvis plays well, he could be on the move. I think the Orioles are still kind of in sell mode. I don't think they're going to contend this year. So maybe we'll see Richie Martin getting his time at shortstop at some point this year. Another guy who has experienced his fair share of freak injuries uh, since joining the Orioles is Austin Hayes. But Austin Hayes has come out this year, this spring, and played with his hair on fire. Uh, do you think that there was some motivation uh, because of the fact that people were basically putting him in a platoon with Cedric Mullins? And do you think at this point he has really solidified himself? Hayes has solidified himself as an everyday player with uh, Mullins becoming more the fourth outfielder just because of how good of a spring Austin Hayes has had. Or you even see him in the outfield together a lot in 2021. I think Hayes is a beast. And if he stays healthy, you know, I'm looking at 25, 30 bombs from him, maybe 20 yeah. steals. I mean, he's got the wheels. I mean, you saw the throw the other night where he threw out two uh, pirates. I mean, the, the, the toy, he's toolsy. The tools are there. You guys know this. He's toolsy. He just needs to stay on the field. And his injuries are all baseball-related, and he's not tripping, falling out of the shower, or, or hurting himself cutting his grass. I mean, he's diving head first, getting plonked, running in the walls. I mean, he's doing it because he plays with his hair on fire. I mean, he, you know, sometimes it breeds to injury because of the aggressiveness. But if he can play and stay on the field for a buck fifty, I mean, I think this guy's going to have a monster season. In center, in all three outfield spots, wherever Hyde puts him. It it certainly looks like he's poised for that breakout year, possibly a similar type of year to what he had in 2017 when he was a finalist for for the minor league player of the year across the country. Now, another guy brought in, you mentioned him a little bit earlier in the program, is Mike, Mike Alfranco. Uh, he's been brought in to play third base. What are your expectations for Franco? Uh, is he going to start the year on the opening day roster? And what does his signing mean for Rio Ruiz? Uh, Ruiz? Eh, I, I, I don't say he's in the crosshairs, but it certainly puts him in a more untenable situation. I mean, Franco's not coming here to be a platoon player, and he keeps insisting that he'll be ready to go next Thursday at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. I, I think Franco's going to be the guy at third base. I mean, uh, Ruiz, you know, he had that defensive reputation, maybe didn't live up to it as much in 2020, and, you know, he'll run into a pitch every now and again, and he'll get his share of uh, home runs. But offense, way too inconsistent. I mean, they're both former, you know, big-time prospects who never reached uh, the level of uh, success that their respective teams who brought him into the majors thought they would. So I'm going to lean towards Franco. Gets his fair share of at bats. I mean, he'll he'll bring you the power, probably a two forty, two fifty batting average, and you know maybe try to play himself out of Baltimore. Or certainly look for a longer term deal. 
Yeah, he, he, 28. He's still a young guy, 28 years old. Yeah, 28. Had a nice year, hit 278 with eight home runs, played all 60 games for the Royals last year. Um, so if he can continue to produce at that level for the Orioles, I think it's a real coup for them. And it's a guy who they could trade at the deadline. Rio Ruiz has certainly been given every opportunity to really stake his claim to this job, and he just hasn't seized it yet. Um, speaking of seizing, uh, Chris Davis' back seized up on him in the second at-bat of spring training. We haven't seen him since. They just put him on the 60-day injured list last night. Um, do you think that this is a little bit... And, and again, we don't want to speculate that the Orioles do stuff like this, but do you think that this right. is a little of column A, he actually hurt his back, and a little column B, look, we don't really have a spot for him, but we're not going to just cut him and give him $23 million. I'll go uh, column in between. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, maybe there is some you know back achage going on there, but, I mean, look, We've all seen it. The production has gone down the toilet for the last three, four seasons now. And I've said on the air many times, if I was running the Orioles, I would have got rid of them after the 2018 season. I understand the financial ramifications that are involved in last year's shortened season actually saved them some dough, but there is no role for him and he can't hit anymore. And, you know, it's nothing personal. I mean, it's, it's a business decision the Orioles make. And, you know, as it observers and as fans, because let's be honest, we're fans, you know, we try to be as unbiased as we possibly can we're all born and raised here we you know we want him to succeed and you know he helps them zero on the field i mean defensively he's going back uh, many steps offensively it's embarrassing i feel bad for it when he comes to the plate quite frankly but i would be surprised to be totally honest with you if he ever takes another swing in an oil uniform again wow yeah, so I, I was, I was going to ask you, will his role be, when he does come back, if he comes back at all, will it be more so as a defensive replacement than anything else? But you don't, you, do you think he ever steps foot on the field for them again? Nah, I, I think it's done. And, and depending on how everyone performs once the season begins, I mean, how do you, with a straight face, walk, to, walk up to someone who may be helping the team in whatever role, I mean, I can't name a particular player, but if, for instance, hey, thanks for, you know, accepting your role and helping us achieve some things but you know we're paying this guy about billions of dollars and we got to get rid of you so he can sit at the end of the bench because we're never going to use him it, it, it so, is that's going to be a tough call for brandon hyde and i'm thinking if brandon hyde was the decision maker i mean we all know what the decision would be you're not playing yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. You take a guy who led the majors two years out of three in home runs, and the the nosedive that his career has taken from that to arguably the worst position player in the history of the game. Uh, what's happened with Chris Davis has been really, really tough to watch. The, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're all ready, ready to get to the end of that tunnel. Um, speaking of the end of the tunnel, Bob, the Orioles rebuild. It looks like we're slowly but surely starting to see some light at the end of that tunnel. What is your 2021 Orioles outlook? How do you see them finishing this season? I am going with 70 and 92. I have not even done this on the uh, the program, Vinny and Annie on one hundred five seven The Fan yet. I was going to do it Thursday, but yeah, I think they. I think we talked about it earlier. I think offensively they can be they can be a pesky team with some power mixed in. You know, maybe it'll be a little bit more aggressive on the base pass with Mullins and Hayes and others. Um, I, I think they've got the offensive potential to be a pain in the rear end to other teams in the American League East. I just think the rotation is kind of a mess right now. I mean, uh, John Means pitched well in September. What are you getting uh, starting on April 1st? So he's kind of labored a little bit down in Florida. I mean, I like Kramer and the potential there. We all know what Matt Harvey used to be. What is he now? 
we'll find out uh, coming up in a couple of weeks here. But I think the Orioles, I'm, yep, I'm going to drink the orange Kool-Aid. I'm going <laughs> 70 and 92. And uh, I still think they'll probably be bringing up the rear in a very competitive American League East. But uh, I think the Orioles, uh, yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel for sure. And it's not the oncoming train. It's actually, I, I think uh, we're going to see some success here. I'm 56 years old. They haven't been to a World Series since I was 18. I think I've waited long enough to make this thing happen eventually. Oh, Bob, I've, I, I'm, a, I'm a lifer and I've never seen a World Series in my lifetime, man. So I'm 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 pulling for it sooner rather than later. Um, I think it's funny that you say drinking the orange Kool Aid with uh with 70 wins. I think the most that we can hope for is that the Orioles aren't going to be a doormat this year, and I don't think they will be. I think that, that they'll slug their way to a few wins that you wouldn't otherwise expect. Before we let you go, one of the big storylines for this entire season is going to be Adley Rutschman. Do we see him at all in 2021? Yeah, I'm guessing we probably get a late call up, uh, maybe or maybe as soon as after the All Star break. I mean, uh, the guys uh, can't miss air quotes prospect. Uh, remember, we were talking uh, about Matt Weeders the same way ten plus years ago, but I think there's a little more game that Rutschman brings to the table. Uh, last year stunk for all of the Orioles prospects. Uh, I mean, he got to go to the alternate camp and he got to, you know, face, you know, the good young pitchers and he got his work in at least, you know, get him some swings at uh, where's he going? Bowie, I guess to start. And then Probably. maybe Norfolk, the Bowie, is that what they're saying? Yeah. The, so the, would, it's uh, been, it's been, that's what's been speculated is double A. Uh, so uh, I would guess we will see him in Baltimore ETA. Man, I'm guessing sometime after the all-star break. That's, uh, that's earlier than I expected. My, my, my whole thing is if he's playing a Bowie, with Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, and the season's pushed back, and they're still playing games in September and making a playoff run, they might want to keep him down there. I'm not sure I see the point of bringing up a guy on a last-place team of his caliber. Yeah. But I don't disagree with you, but you know he's two years removed now from being drafted out of college, and you know a lot of fans would like to see him uh, get at least a sniff of the majors as he's now, what, 20? Still young. But he's been in the organization for three years. He should be up here by now. So I don't think Elias will cave to that sort of thinking, but who knows? It's kind of a wrap-up for you. You know, Gunnar Henderson was kind of the breakout player for the Orioles and the Miners last year. You know, he really exploded at the alternate training site, as far as all reports have said. Who do you expect to be that breakout Orioles prospect this year that we'll kind of be talking about around that top 100 conversation come next year? Uh, Let's see. Could it be Westberg? I mean, one of the shortstop guys from last year. I would think keep an eye on them. I mean, Kerstad would be the the obvious answer given his draft status, number two overall, and whatever health issue he was dealing with that uh, slowed him down. So it'd be interesting to see him get some cuts. And you know, Anderson's a guy that you know is a big dude. When the Orioles drafted him, we were actually doing a show at Dempsey's, and he came in, really impressive young man. And I guess they're going to keep him at shortstop. It looks like he could move to third base if that's uh, what they need to happen. But who's the breakout guy? Uh, I'll go Kerstet. I'll go Chalk since it's the NCAA tournament Sweet 16 weekend. There you go. A, a, a pretty solid prediction there. Bob Haney, thank you so much for joining the program. Really great to talk some Orioles baseball with you. Hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime this year. Anytime, guys. Thanks for calling me. All right. Have a great weekend. That was Bob Haney joining us on the uh, joining us on the bat around here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Of course, that 10-20 shot slot is usually reserved for Stan the Fan, Charles. I believe 
that Stan had a fantasy baseball draft oh. this morning. And if you know anything about Stan, you know he loves him some fantasy baseball. He does. He does. So he he was unable to join us this week. But Bob Haney filled in very remarkably. If you need your Stan the Fan Charles fix, he has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Orioles legend Ken Singh. Singleton and Stan and Gary chatted with Bill Ordine from Gambling.com about the next steps for legalized sports betting in Maryland. Both of those shows can be found under the videos tab at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or at PressBoxOnline.com. This Monday at 8 p.m., you won't, you, mo- you won't want to miss it if I can learn how to speak when Stan and Ross catch up with ESPN's Tim Kirkchin, who's always a great interview. Yes, he is. Uh, Stan's weekly show is brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com. Call C3 America American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for free analysis. We're going to get a break. When we come back, we are very excited to have the Orioles Senior Director of International Scouting, Kobe Perez, will join the program. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now available, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New items include smoky thigh wings and bangers and mash. Favorites include corned beef and cabbage, shepherd's pie, and the Glory Days Reuben and the Rachel. Enter to win a brewery tour of the Guinness Open Gate Brewery outside of Baltimore. Details available at any Glory Days Grill. And enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash brewery tour. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, beer, and basketball. Download their app or order online at glorydaysgrill.com. Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? <sighs> Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. Royal Farm subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate y'all. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. Ravens linebacker Matt Judon. Appreciate y'all. How y'all doing? Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coach Mark Turgeon. How you guys doing? Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Joe Burrow. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coach Mike Loxley. Thanks for having me on. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Lynn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, Ed? Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. 
For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a lengthy Q&A with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as he candidly discussed the impact the pandemic has had on the team's rebuilding effort, Chris Davis, Adley Rutschman, and much more. Inside, find our special college lacrosse feature, introducing you to the men's and women's players at all of the area schools. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Battle Round. Um, we're here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. We're going to have Kobe Perez here on the line. Just a couple minutes, Kobe's calling into the calling into the show, and we went into the Bob Haney interview talking about this Dominican Republic Baseball Academy that the Orioles are starting. Can you turn me up just a little bit there, bud? Sure. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, we were talking about this Baseball Academy, 22 and a half acres, going to be state-of-the-art, going to be one of the top facilities, if not the top facility in, in Major League Baseball. And if you're an Orioles fan, you have to be excited about this. You absolutely have to be excited about this because this puts the Orioles right at the forefront of international prospects. This is gonna. This facility is gonna make these prospects want to want to join this program, want to join this organization. It's it's a big deal, and it's something that's that's huge for Orioles fans, for the Orioles franchise. This is what's gonna keep the Orioles relevant and in contention for a long, long time. Super exciting uh, to have this baseball academy, and super exciting to have on the line with us now the senior director of international scouting for the Baltimore Orioles, Kobe Perez. Kobe, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing really well. We're really excited to have you on the program. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, we just mentioned, let's dive right in. Orioles earlier this week, they unveiled plans for state-of-the-art 22-and-a-half-acre baseball academy in Dominican Republic. Kobe, tell us a little bit about this site, what went into getting this thing underway, and what it means for the future of the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a state-of-the-art facility. It's, uh, it's going to feature three uh, full baseball fields, a uh, turf agility field, um, plenty of, uh, you know, space for classrooms and, and offices and, uh, you know, our, uh, our gym and everything is just going to be pretty state-of-the-art and modern, um, which is a, a huge benefit to, to our players. You know, they're, they're going to be able to develop, uh, um, you know, as soon as they enter the organization. So, um, you know, as soon as I came on board with the Orioles, uh, you know, Elias told me that this was one of the things in the forefront. Uh, that we wanted to modernize uh, um, our, our whole operations uh, internationally. So, um, you know, it, it was something that we've been working on ever since uh, I've been here. 
It's definitely exciting to see, especially if you're a long-suffering Orioles fan. We haven't seen a World Series here in Baltimore since 1983, and these days, international prospects are what get you there. Some of the best baseball players in the country, and you look at a guy like Juan Soto, they're off of the international market. Now, you just mentioned that this is one of the first things Mike Elias mentioned to you when you came into this organization. How far has this organization come in the international market, Kobe, since you got here? I mean, it's it's coming along. I think it's uh, it's starting to come uh, come around. Uh, you know, just to being uh, you know one of the better. Um, once this academy gets going, we should be you know in the forefront of uh, of uh, doing business in, internationally, especially in Latin America. Um, I I think uh, you know the last study that we did. I think thirty three percent of uh, major league players were coming out of Latin America and. Uh, you know, to not do business in, you know, Latin America would be to, you know, you're, you're battling against teams that are doing 100% and you're only going 67%. So, you know, that's not fair <laughs> to uh, yeah. to anybody if you're going 67%. So, you know, I think uh, we're getting to the point where, you know, we should be uh, 100% as far as uh, being all in. Kobe, I know a lot of Orioles fans and fans really around the league pay attention very much to rankings, you know, farm system rankings, prospect rankings, and obviously international rankings are a big part of that. Uh, MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, they all have their, their different rankings for international guys. Do the Orioles or any other team really pay attention to these rankings? Do you guys look at these guys and say, oh, he's number 17, maybe we should take a look at him? Is that something you, you ever pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, I think we enjoy looking at the rankings, uh, especially, you know, when, when our club is, uh, you know, ranked in the, uh, you know, upper upper part of the rankings uh, right now. So that's really fun to uh, to have, uh, uh, you know, these types of rankings and, and, and seeing that, you know, people are valuing our prospects. I mean, I think, you know, most, most importantly, we internally have our own rankings and they're not always the same uh, as the external rankings, but... Uh, you know that's a, that's always a good thing, especially when uh, you know maybe some guys that uh, that are not ranked, but you know internally we think they are they're very good. So um, you know it's always something uh, fun to uh, to watch these rankings. Well, and Kobe, the Orioles recently gave their first seven-figure deals to international prospects. They gave catcher Samuel Basayo $1.3 million, shortstop Michael Hernandez $1.2 million. Excellent to see, considering that the Orioles would only spend a, a fraction of that before you got here. Uh, and, and while it is great to see, you still have other teams that are spending three, four, sometimes $5 million on these international prospects. Are the Orioles ever going to tread those waters, and how does this new academy impact that? Yeah, I think uh, I think you know the situation has to be uh, has to be uh, right for for us to do it. I, I, I think we will. Um, it just it, it just comes down to what it just comes down to what the um, it comes. I'm sorry. It comes down to what the um, market is for that particular class. You know, um, we we try to get get in there early as far as. Uh, seeing what the whole pool looks like and which, which would be the best way for us to uh, spend our resources, Um, whether it's go after one or two guys or maybe sign, you know, 15 or 20 guys and, um, and, and go from there. So everything's different. I mean, if you look around the major league, I mean, there's a lot of good players um, that are stars that, um, you know, didn't get the huge bonus. I think Acuna signed for a hundred grand, uh, Fernando Tatis was six hundred grand. 
Um, you, you know, you can go Vlad. Vlad did get, you know, significant. I think it was either three or four million. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, and Soto was, uh, you know, in the, that million and a half area. So, you know, the stars are coming from different, uh, um, from different tiers of uh, signing bonuses. So I think uh, it all comes down to what the market uh, looks like in that particular signing class. Well, it certainly does. And you certainly have to have a lot of faith in a 16 or 17 year old kid to give them that, that, that kind of money at that young of an age. Uh, but you did that with, with Basayo and with Michael Hernandez. Uh, what can you tell us about these two players and what warranted such large signing bonuses for them? So, you know, the, the ceiling that these both, both of these players have are, are tall, you know what I mean? They are tall ceilings. Um, you know, they're, they're a long way away. They're, they're 16 and 17 years old. Uh, Basayo's the youngest player, uh, he might be the youngest player in the entire class because he's going to play this year as a 16-year-old. Um, and, you know, his his ceiling is very, very high. He's got he's got big raw power and he's got a big arm. Um, and he's a big kid. So, you know, we're hoping that, you know, we can develop this guy into the best player he can be. And with the tools, um, you know, he's got a chance to be a, a, a high-ceiling uh, type prospect. And, uh Michael Hernandez is, you know, he's a premium position player as well we're, we're, because he's a shortstop. Um, we believe he, he can play shortstop. We think he's a very good shortstop. And, you know, he's got some uh, offensive upside as well. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's, to, he's a guy that flashes five tools. So, you know, he's the type of guy that can be a guy that can do everything. You know what I mean? So he, he you know, we're really excited to get him in camp soon and, and uh, and hoping uh, you know that that he develops the way we think he can. Well, and certainly with with a shortstop, a guy like Michael Hernandez, you're not really worried about where he's going to play, especially at this young age. You're not really worried about where he's going to play because he's a shortstop. He can play pretty much anywhere on the diamond if that's the case. Uh, but a guy like Samuel Basayo, again, only 16 years old, he's still a ways off from having an impact on the major league club. But you look at a team that had like the Orioles that has Adley Rutschman, and he's the number two overall prospect in baseball. He's 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 seen as a can't-miss prospect at the catching position, and he figures to be here for a long time. Is there any thought about that that goes into signing a guy like Basayo, or is it just this player's too good, we need to sign him and get him into this organization? Yeah, I, you know, we always, we're always going to go with talent, you know what I mean? Those things seem, uh, usually work themselves out, um, you know, as far as, you know, where he's going to play and if he's being blocked or not, you know, those things work, work itself out. Um, you know, we primarily focused on, you know, thinking that he's, a, he's, he's got a chance and he's got the ceiling to be in the middle of the order. And when you have that type of potential, you know, they'll, they'll figure, we'll figure it out when that time comes, if he, uh, you know, needs to move his position or, or, uh, you know, what, what ends up happening. But, um, the key to this is trying to sign the best players you can. And, uh, you know, it usually works itself out throughout the years. There have been a lot of comps that have come out about a lot of these players signed internationally, especially Michael Hernandez. I've heard the comp of Alex Rodriguez, uh, Carlos Correa, you know, kind of in their body style and the way they play, especially with that five-tool talent. Um, do you have any comps for any of the players the Orioles have signed recently that are that are major league talents right now? Um, you know, the, so I, it's a, that, those are good comps. The Correa comp is a good comp for, for Hernandez. Um, you know, he's, he's a bigger, bigger framed shortstop that moves very well at shortstop and, and, uh, you know, has some potential to, 
you know, to, to, to be a good hitter, you know, on a championship team. So we, uh, you know, we, we, that, that comp is kind of a, a good one. And uh, with Basayo, you know, he's a bigger framed catcher, um, very flexible for his size and he can throw, um, you know, I, Gary Sanchez is a right-handed hitter and, and, you know, um, showed as an amateur, the big, big arm and the big raw power. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily comp him to Gary, but like as kids, they, they did similar things. Okay, I, I I don't think anybody can have an argument for any of those comparisons there. Now, Kobe, the Orioles have only one international prospect ranked in their top 30 right now, and that's a left-handed pitcher, Luis Ortiz, who you all took um, at the J2 signing in 2019. He's ranked at number 30. Um, what can you tell us about Luis Ortiz, and then who would you say is uh, next closest to cracking that top 30? Yeah, so, so we got a lot of guys that are that are coming. I mean, we got some other pitchers that have big arms. Um, I think the pandemic really hurt us with the, these kids yeah. not being able to go out and play. Um, so they, uh, so so basically, they didn't uh, they didn't get an opportunity to kind of show their skills. Um, but yeah, so Luis Ortiz, you know, he's a left-handed pitcher. You know, he's in this, he's in in the low nineties. He's got a good breaking ball, throws a bunch of strikes. And, you know, we think that, uh, you know, with, with continued development, you know, he's got a chance to be a starter. Um, I think it's early to say, you know, what, whether it's the front or back of a rotation, but we, we, we definitely like what we see there. Um, I'll give you a sleeper um, is Luis Sanchez, who we signed uh, in 2019 as well. I mean, his fastball has been up to 97 miles an hour already. And he's still 17 years old, so you know he hasn't gotten a chance to play yet. But uh, you know we uh, we're, we're excited about uh, his future. You know, among other guys too. Kobe, you mentioned it before, but the Orioles really didn't have a great international presence before the Michael Elias uh, administration came in, and, and you came into the Orioles as well. And now that you guys do, and you guys are very popular there, obviously you're signing tons and tons of international talents. How did it come to that? You know, how did the Orioles establish their presence, and, and, and how long did that really take to get these players to know the Orioles' name? Well, I think the positive part was, you know, Elias had done some international work with Houston and myself with uh, Cleveland and Philadelphia before that. So, you know, our names uh, basically, uh, you know, were well known in, in, in the international market. So, you know, once they saw that Elias came in and then, you know, brung me into the fold, they, they uh, you know, they knew we weren't going to come in to, uh, to not sign players, you know. <laughs> So, um, you know, it kind of got uh, it kind of got running pretty quick. Um, with these with these prospects that are coming in, they're all young kids, 16, 17, 18 years old. Do any of these prospects have a chance to start at a stateside affiliate or are they all pretty much going to be playing in the Dominican Summer League this year? Um, you know, those, those decisions will come when the time gets here. Uh, we're starting up some camps here in the DR. So, you know, we're evaluating all that. And, you know, our, our thing is to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, the player's ready to go, um, to whatever affiliate, um, you know, he, he'll fit in it, in, in it. So, you know, those questions for Matt Blood and, uh, Felipe Rojas and, and, uh, will be better answered, I'm, I'm thinking, after uh, you know we get some of these camps done. Absolutely. Now, um, 
the the J the, we had the J two twenty nineteen, and then the pandemic canceled the whole international process last year, pushed it back to January of this year. Is it going to get back to July of this year? We're looking at another pushback. It's looking like they're going to go January as of right now, and this could change. Um, I think there's a CBA um, this year, so um, as of right now, we're preparing for uh, January again. Now, does that have an impact on the way you go about doing things, or now that things are kind of, they're not totally back to normal, but starting to get back towards normalcy, do you kind of go back to business as usual? Yeah, yeah. So again, like a lot of this work has been done. uh, So these 2021 players who will now sign in 2022, like we've known them since 2019, 2018. So like, you know, we've been following these kids a long time. So we kind of have our eyes on the guys that we we think that we may want to add and we're staying close to those players. So I don't think uh, very much um, will change as far as our targets and things like that. But um you know, um, you know, it, it's uh, they're they're just uh, set back a few months as far as their development because it won't be uh, they won't be a lot part of the organization until you know January 2022. Kobe, is there anything you can tell us? Obviously, I, I don't want you to to leak any information early on, but is there any guy that that you guys are really excited about that you could possibly sign in the upcoming signing period? Is there anyone you've already you know kind of established talks with yet? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a number of players that you know we have our uh, have our eyes on, but you know, as this business goes, you know, we can't be we can't uh, you know really announce um, sure. who those players are because there's other teams that you know like these players as well, you know. So yep. you know, even though we are you know pretty deep in 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 the process and and in pretty good relationships with the agents and families, you know we wouldn't want those things to uh to change. <laughs> well yeah, certainly and and anytime you can have a leg up, you certainly want to keep that leg up. So yep. it's it's better to keep those things close to the vest. Kobe, we really appreciate you coming on the program talking to us about this new academy, about the state of the Orioles in the international market. I think fans have a lot to be excited about. Is there anything before you go that you want to let fans know about the process with the Orioles international market and what they can look forward to seeing? No, I, th- I think uh, you know we, we we spoke about the uh, the academy and uh, you know some of our players that are that are in the fold here and uh, you know we're just really excited and uh, you know we can't wait till this minor league season gets going and and start looking at uh, some the way some of these players perform. But um, I appreciate you guys having me on. No, we appreciate you giving us the time. Really excited to have the opportunity to talk to you, Kobe. You have a great weekend. Thanks so much and have a great season. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Take care. That was Kobe Perez, the Senior Director of uh, International Scouting for the Baltimore Orioles, gracious enough to join our program um, today uh, here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. And it is really nice uh, to see that the Orioles really are putting this footprint on. We can't, we can't overstate it enough, but it's a big deal. This academy is a big deal and it's only going to bode well for the Orioles in their future, for the prospects that they're going to have in this organization. Like Kobe said, 33% of the rosters are, are made up of international prospects. It's, it's frankly unbelievable if you think about it. Because, I mean, you would assume generally that a lot of these guys are going to come through the draft. That That's the general assumption of uh, of everyone, basically. But, no, I mean, a lot of these guys come. He mentioned Juan Soto. You know, there's so many guys that come out of the, the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or wherever they come from. 
and they just tear it up. They're they're such they're such talented guys. So I'm excited the Orioles have finally jumped into this market. You know, we, that was a lot of fans' main complaint when you know uh, Dan Duquette and and Buck Showalter ran the organization that the Orioles never went and scouted these international guys. But it's really it's the new wave of baseball. It's so important that they get down there. This new facility, it, it's all just super exciting. I mean, this is what needs to happen. This is this is the best case scenario really it really is it absolutely is it was interesting to see to hear that Ronald Acuna only signed for a hundred thousand dollars and yeah um Soto was like one million or something like that hey did you mute the um line five mic five I did you did okay just having a little bit of weirdness here in the headphones but no big deal we do have to get a break uh when we come back we're going to do we're actually skipping Orioles banter this week because of the fact that uh the whole show is Orioles banter as we look forward to opening day. And we want to do give our Major League Baseball preview here. Just want to remind you, though, that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Raven Safety Geno Stone, NCAA Tournament Analyst Clark Kellogg and Steve Levin, and much more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. That's PressBoxOnline.com. We're headed to break. When we come back, our Major League Baseball preview. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now available, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New items include smoky thigh wings and bangers and mash. Favorites include corned beef and cabbage, shepherd's pie, and the Glory Days Reuben and the Rachel. Enter to win a brewery tour of the Guinness Open Gate Brewery outside of Baltimore. Details available at any Glory Days Grill. And enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash brewery tour. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, beer, and basketball. Download their app or order online at glorydaysgrill.com. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? <sighs> Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. Royal Farm Subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Brett the Hitman Hart. It's good to be on the show. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Broken Matt Hardy. Excellent. The bad guy, Scott Hall. Mm, hey, yo. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All right, welcome back to the Battle Round here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I am your host, Paul Valley, which I didn't announce at the beginning of the program for some reason. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Zach Goodman. And you may or may not know this, I'm sitting in a different seat today, and that is because Zach has become the new producer of this show. He learned under the tutelage of Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer with their pragmatic and irreverent <laughs> approach. Um, he learned. I'm not making fun of him. I just love that it says that. It's in, a in, it's in, a great line. It, it really is, is. It is a great line. I, I I love that it's in the live read every week. Uh, but Zach is, has taken over. He's in the uh, so this chair that Zach was sitting is actually the main host chair. But because I had to produce the show and host it, the I made. Seat two, the main host chair. But now it's back to the way it should be. I'm in the host chair. Zach's doing a great job here uh, in his first time ever producing the show. Um, he's worried that it's been a little bit bumpy, but he's, nah, it's, it's going all right. I think. Yeah, yeah he's, he's doing a great job. He's doing a great job. So now, Zach, before we get into our Major League Baseball preview, and we actually have a little bit more time than we usually have. We actually have over 20 minutes yeah. to do this. So now is your chance to give us your sounding off segment here. Yeah, so... The Royals optioned Bobby Witt Jr. this week to the dismay of most fans. I think people really wanted to see Bobby Witt Jr. in the majors. He's a big name, number two overall pick in 2019, right behind Adley Rutschman. So he's a guy everyone wants to see. That's obvious, and we, we know that. And he's only 20 years old. He's a high school guy. He's a five-tool projected talent. He's a shortstop. This guy's the real deal. I mean, we've seen him in spring training. He hit the ball very well, you know, for a 20-year-old. Hit 283, hit uh, three or 289. I'm sorry, hit three home runs. He's a guy who is going to be a great franchise player for the Royals in a couple years. Right now is not the time for Bobby Witt Jr. to be on the Royals. Everyone was so angry that he was sent down, and they, they were crying service time manipulation and all the things that people usually say. But this is simply not the case. This guy is 20 years old. The Royals will, will ruin his development if they're putting him in the majors right now, 20 years old. By the time he's 22... He's still not going to be the product he would have been by the time he's 24 and had spent that time in the majors. You've got to develop these guys. Bobby Wood Jr., his 37 minor league games. That's just really very limited action. Obviously, he tore up the, the alternate training site, but let's not talk and scream service time manipulation to every single move each team makes when they send down a prospect. He's 20 years old. This is not, Bobby Wood Jr. is not 26 and hitting 400 in AAA and they won't bring him up. That's, the, the case is, is that Bobby Witt Jr. is not 
ready to be a Major League Baseball player yet, but he will be very soon. If he's tearing up AAA and hitting 400 and and you know showing everyone what he can do, bring him up in August. You know, bring him up in September. You can do that. But right now, let's not cry service time in Appalachian at every single thing that happens. Bobby Wood Jr. is just not ready yet. That that's my opinion on that. What level did can you turn me up a little bit, bud? Yes, I uh, can. What level did he get option to? So I I do not know, but I would believe it's probably high A or double A. Um, yeah. he's a more advanced prospect, of course, because he is such a such a talent. But well, thirty seven professional games. Yeah, it, coming out of high school, rookie league too. Uh, not uh, even A ball. Yeah, rookie yeah. league. One hundred and sixty four professional at bats. Yeah. a year off in between. Look, it's, we get it, man. It was in Baltimore. We were screaming, "Quit for wit," you know, right. until Rutschman, you know, I was mean, like, he, "Hey, I'm better." Wit, wit's uh, amazing. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Tr- trust me. The, even even on draft day, I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Man, do do we want Bobby Witt? Do we want Bobby right. Witt?" And and I, I'm glad they got Rutschman. Yeah, Bobby Witt is going to be a generational talent. There's he no will be. there's no doubt about it. I, I think the ceiling is higher for Bobby Witt Jr. than it is for Adley Rutschman. If you if you look at it, from well, my he, perspective. He, 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 they both play premium positions. Yes. Witt's going to play more yep. because exactly. he's, he's yeah. at a position that takes less of a toll on the body than catcher does. Um, I don't know that, that, that he has a higher ceiling. Uh, they, they, they're both going to be MVP caliber players. Yes, that, that's that's sure. what you think. When, you, when you're going number one and number two overall in the draft, you should be an MVP caliber player. Um, but 37 games, 164 professional bats. He's yeah. 20 years old, and he was, he was young. For a shortstop, he was 17 when when right. when he got drafted. So, uh, and when I say uh, young for a high school player, not young for a shortstop, he was young for a high school player when he got drafted. He was yeah. only 17. So it's let, 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 let's let's pump the brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes uh, on uh, Bobby a, a little bit. He he might not show up at all this right. year, and he probably shouldn't. The he, Royals he, he the, shouldn't. The Royals aren't ready to win yet. Maybe next year. Maybe the year after. Maybe he's the centerpiece of your team right. in 2022. But there's no reason. Ben McDonald got his first taste of big league action like a month after he got drafted. Yeah, I think he was 19. I, th- I believe yeah. he was 19. Be- Be- ben McDonald made his major league debut the same year he was drafted. What happened to Ben McDonald? Right. He was out of the league after 96. Right. Like, the, you need to let guys develop. That, let them, let these guys develop. Let them hone their craft. Right. Let them get all the kinks out. You know, and. There's no reason to rush a guy, especially to a team that if he comes up, maybe they win 76 games instead right. of 75. Like I think the Royals are under a bit of false hope that they're going to compete this year. I, 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 there's no they, way. They, they traded for Ben Attendee, and it seems like they, they are under the impression they are a competing team, but they're, they're simply not. There's, they're maybe two years off from there's it. There's no way. Espe- yeah, especially not in that division. You, You're just not going to win. I, you, you just don't really have a chance, frankly. You, you, look, at, you look at that division. The White Sox are going to win that division. The Twins right. are going to be a wild card. The Indians are going to have maybe the best pitching in that division. Yep. It, it's it, Sorry, Royals. You're like... <laughs> Two years off. You're barely better than the Tigers. Like right. even with, Andrew Benintendi, is this 2017-2018 Andrew Benintendi? Or is it 2019-2020 It's, it's probably 2019-2020 Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. That, that's the, what the, I would assume. Uh, so, sorry, Royals. Like, yeah, 75 wins would be nice for your team, especially since 
you've been pretty bad for a few years. And, and sure, Bobby Witt makes you win two more games, maybe three more games. He, you know, he'd probably play solid, but you gotta let just let him develop. Just just pump the brakes. Wait, you know, you'll be happy down the road when he's on your World Series championship team in his in his fifth year in arbitration, and you'll you'll be much happier then. You didn't bring him up in twenty twenty one. Yeah, if so. they, you know, if the uh, Orioles aren't in the World Series, well, the, for, for, Orioles for, for, for ten years, Orioles will sweep them in the ALCS, of yeah, course, yeah, because because they, they have it coming every year. Uh, so, this is, we spent enough time talking about Bobby Witt Jr. and the Kansas City Royals for some reason. For some reason, for some reason. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about our Major League Baseball season preview. I sent you my notes with my with my categories empty yep. last night. Did you get a chance to fill those out? I did fill it out. Okay, so my AL East winner. This year, the New York Yankees. Who you got? I also have the New York Yankees. I struggle with this one a little bit because I think the Blue Jays are going to be a really good team. But again, I think they're just a year off, um, and I don't believe they don't that, have the, they don't have the arms. Right, they don't have the arms, and, and, and the Rays. I just don't believe they have the lineup, and they lost Blake Snell. I'm not confident in them. It's it's Yankees for me. Yeah, and uh, Blue Jays. Kirby Yates is out for the year. Yeah, and uh, their big free agent splash, George Springer, has a strained oblique. So he's not going to start the year for them. And Kevin Biggio just uh, he j- he jammed his finger the other day, so he's day to day. I don't know that he'll start yeah. the year. Um, Central Division, White Sox. It has to be the White Sox. They're, they're, they're so good. Look, I I think the Twins are a really good team, and I think the Indians could be you know a, an eighty five win team or so. You know, obviously they don't have Lindor anymore, but this is a somewhat competitive division. But it has to be the White Sox. So I I, I would definitely definitely say the White Sox are my team there. The West. I'm going to let you give your West pick first. Yeah, I, saw, I went with the Astros. Um, you know, I, I think the Angels have a shot. I, I'm confident in the Angels. They have the best player in the world. You've got Shohei Otani, who's due for a comeback. Um, and, and you've got upgraded pitching now. Dylan Bundy looks like he's a better pitcher than he was. I like the Angels. I like what they're building. I still got to pick the Astros. They're, they're just so talented. They, you have to pick them. I, I, I took the Angels. Okay. I, I, okay. Took, I took the Angels to win the West. Fair I enough. Think, I think... I don't know how much of an impact Shohei Otani is going to have as a pitcher. I hope he does. But I, I hope he does too. Yeah. But but I just think that the Angels. I think that their team is strong. You're going to full year out of Rendon. Mike Trout is going to have a better year. Mike Trout became a, a first time father in the middle of the season yep. last year. You're going to get a better year out of Mike Trout. A, a, a better year of, out of Joe Adele. Almost. You, you, you can't uh, yeah. have a worse year. Than he, he, was did so, in he was just optioned. He was uh, okay. He, well, he'll, he'll be up quickly, though. but he'll, he'll be up quickly. Dylan Bundy looks like he was what he was supposed to look like when he got drafted by the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, they got Alex Cobb, who's not the greatest pitcher in the world, but he'll keep them in ball games for the most part. I think, and I think their bullpen got better. I, I, I this is more so. I think that the Astros and the Athletics got worse, and I don't think the Mariners are there yet. And. I, Nobody knows what the hell the Texas Rangers are doing. Like they, they, they trade for Corey Kluber, and now they're rebuilding. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, so nobody knows what's going on. You would think that they would have wanted to have a, a solid team for the first full year in that new ballpark in yeah. Texas, but nobody knows what they're doing. They don't factor into the division. Wild card, my first wild card team in the American League. I have the Minnesota Twins. I also have the Twins um, as my second wild card, though. Um, and, and yeah, I think the Twins are a great team. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. They got Nelson Cruz, who's maybe one of the best home run hitters there is. Um, they they have power up and down that lineup. Mitch Garver's a great catcher. I mean, they they're they're just a very talented team. And the pitching might fall short a little bit, and I think that's why the White Sox will win that division. They have more of a, a well balanced and rounded team. Um, but I think the I think the Twins are a very very solid team, and they they definitely are. are well, they will be a wild card. I think so. They will. That was your wild card too. You kind of you, you kind of jumped ahead a little bit. I just who's, I just said it because who, who's your wild card one? The Blue Jays are my wild card one. Ooh ooh ooh! ooh. I see. 
I got the Astros as my okay. second wild card team. And it's because, look, you still have Granky, you still have McCullers, and you, you, you sign McCullers to that extension for a reason. Verlander will probably be back by midseason, hopefully for them. And yeah, you lost George Springer, but you still have Alex Bregman, you still have Jose Altuve, you still have Goriel. Uh, the, the, and you have the pedigree. You have the experience right. to get to the playoffs. This is a team that made the playoffs last year, sub-500, in a season that was basically... Uh, it, it, it should have been a lost season for them because of the whole the whole trash can incident and all that and then the truncated season, but they yeah. managed to get themselves into the playoffs. This is a team that's been there and knows how to get there, and I think that they're going to get there again, but I think their window is closing on them. Uh, go to, going to the NL East, uh, I have the Washington Nationals winning. Really? The East. Okay, that, yeah. that's that's a pick I didn't expect. I have the Braves. Um, I, I still think the Braves are the best team here. The Nats, you know, they they really struggle. We talked about that last week pretty extensively with Craig Heist. Um, so if you want to learn more about the Nats, definitely go listen to that. But they are a team who. I just don't think are quite there as far as young talent goes. They just have a lot of older guys that I don't know are going to perform. Carter Keboom's obviously a big piece of that young talent, but he's kind of failed so far in his young career. I like the Braves. You know, you've just got a bunch of young players, a really solid pitching staff, great lineup. I just think the Braves have to be that winner. So. But yeah, no, the the, Bra- the Braves are a very good baseball team. Yeah. For, for me, I just look at that rotation, and I look when your number four is John Lester, and your number five is Joe Ross. Uh, that's the name, right, Joe Ross? Yeah, Joe Ross. Yeah. 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 I just, I just think, and then you have you have Strasburg, you have Corbin, you have Scherzer in no in no particular order. That that bull, that rotation can be good. The bullpen's got a little bit better, but Will Harris is injured right now and lost Doolittle as well. Yeah, but Doolittle he kind of lost himself. Yeah, he did. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but and then I look at that lineup, and they have somebody to protect Juan Soto with uh, with Josh Bell. Zimmerman is tearing the cover off the yep. ball this spring. Uh, there, uh, Trey Turner. You, you can't mention you the can't Nationals not mention w- w- Trey w- without Trey Turner. That Nationals team is going to be pretty good. They're going to be pretty okay. good this year, and I think that the talent is so even throughout the division that it's going to come down to the last couple weeks of the season. That I, I don't know that that division is, is is settled by by September 25th. I mean I, and we even even talked about the Mets who are also a solid team. You know, they they I don't feel like they did enough this year. You don't feel like they I mean they did get Lindor. So that is yeah, a, a major stepping stone. But that but that's but that's one guy. They have Lindor, yeah. they have Jeff McNeil. Yeah, Jeff uh, McNeil's all right. He, he he's a good player, but then like and you have Jacob Degrom, Pete Alonso, who basically Pete, Pete, Pete strikes out half the time. But then he, the other half the time, he's hitting home runs. Absolute massive. Um, but he massive came, he came in pretty chiseled for the Mets this year, uh, tearing the cover off the ball himself. And you're going to get Syndergaard back. You have um, God, what is, Marcus Stroman in the rotation. You have uh, Hector Carrasco in that rotation. Uh, the Mets are going to be good. That that, yeah. that that whole division, top to bottom, they had. I mean, the Marlins made the playoffs last year. The Phillies are going to bounce back this year. That's going to be, in my opinion, that's the best division in baseball. The National League East is the best division in baseball. I would agree, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. I'm excited to have the MLB TV app uh, package from T-Mobile just because of the, the NL East. Yeah. Um, so the, look, there's a number of teams. I just think that when it comes down to it, it's going to be who who. Who has the pedigree? The same thing, like the, the World same Series champs in nineteen, yeah, World Series champs, and then you have the Braves who have been to the NLCS last year, and they were in the playoffs the year before that. So, all right, uh, Central, 
It's got to be the Cardinals, right? It's got to be the Cardinals. This yeah. is a, a bad division. Let's just yeah. put it that way. This is bad. I mean, the Brewers, they're they're okay. I, I think they could have a shot maybe at a wild card. You look at the Pirates. I mean, we all know about the Pirates. They, yeah. It's it's One prob- of the top farm systems in baseball, but they're not there. They're, they're getting they're, there. They're not there yet. They're getting there. I mean, they're in the same boat as the Orioles, basically. And and then you have the Cubs, who have sold off a lot of their talent. I, I, I Like it. the Rangers, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, are, I, are you I, rebuilding? I, are you trying yeah. to win? Are you just kind of treading water? And what and are you and doing? You get rid of Kyle Schwarber and bring in the same player, Jock Peterson. It's just kind of odd. The, the whole operation, you know, Theo Epstein's gone now. It's kind of weird what the Cubs have been doing the past few years, but I, I don't think they're a very good team this year. It's, it's got to be the Cardinals. It's no one else. Yeah, absolutely. In the West. This is tough. This is really tough. I, 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 I took the Padres. I took the Dodgers. I, I know I, you did. Because yeah, anybody else with a sane mind is going to take the Dodgers. I thought I, I think... very hard, long and hard, about picking the Padres, and I almost did it. Here's the thing. There's such thing as a World Series hangover. Just like there's such thing as a Super Bowl hangover. And look, the Dodgers are incredible. They have the best roster in baseball. They, they, they have like six or seven guys that would be the ace on most teams' That's rotations. And six or seven of these guys in their rotation. I just the Padres got a lot better. The Padres have a really solid rotation. They have they have two MVP candidates on the left side of their infield, Manny yep. Machado and um, Fernando and, and Fernando, I didn't forget his name. You got, you got to let me get there. It's, it's dramatic effect. Pausing for dramatic Dr- effect. Dramatic effect. Um, and then you have um, God. There's somebody for them who's tearing the cover off the ball right now. Uh, I mean, they, they have talent up and down. Yeah, the, the, the but order, they, really, I mean, they, their their lineup is, is is loaded. Their rotation is loaded. Their bullpen. It's not Cronenworth, is it? Maybe. Could but be. But the, 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 they're a really good team, and I think they they're, are. I think they're hungry. I think they're hungry. I think they're tired of being the the redheaded stepchild to the to the Dodgers, and I think that they're yeah. that they're coming for that division this year again. Just like the NL East, this isn't a, this isn't a division that's going to be decided until the last week or so of the season. I agree with you. I mean, I I think the Dodgers are a hundred plus win team, and the Padres are probably ninety two plus, maybe even ninety five plus. So it's going to come down to the wire for sure. I, I thought long and hard about this one. I just think the Dodgers, you know, like you said, World Series hangover, great point. You know, that, that happened to the Nationals in 2020, so you never know. But I just looking up and down at the talent, uh, when you have Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, uh, just in, you know, Will Smith, it, the whole lineup is just, Mookie Betts, of course, it's just absolutely unstoppable. They, I, I just don't see them losing it. They they are. They yeah. are. They, it's, I just, I, I, I believe in heart. I'm not saying the Dodgers don't have heart. I just the the Padres for as good as they are, they're still the underdog, and the world loves an underdog story. God knows I do, so that's why I got them. Now the wild card teams, I got the Dodgers, I got the Braves. So I have the Padres and the Mets. So okay. um, I do, like I said before, I think the Mets. You know, they, they I think they've done enough. I think they've done enough to be an you know an eighty seven, eighty eight, maybe even ninety one team. So I think that gets them a wild card. And the Padres are my wild card one. I think they just. They're going to be a not like I said before, a not, probably a ninety-five win team, and you just can't leave them out. So, World Series matchup. What do you have? Oh, this was this was a tough one. I went Dodgers versus White Sox. Um, go ahead. I went Padres versus White okay. Sox. Okay, that would be a fun one. That would be I went Padres fun. White Sox. Now here's the thing. Prior to last year, prior to the pandemic, around mid January or so, I put out on Twitter. Maybe it was in early February. I put out on social media that the Padres were now my National League team because I love Manny Machado. Same. I love Fernando Tatis. So I was like, this is my National League. This is going to be my National League team. So maybe there's a little bit of bias and a little bit of heart in, in, in this pick. But I think the Padres are really good. I think the White Sox are really good. And 
The Dodgers have won the division eight years in a row. They've been to the World Series, what, three of the last four years? It's time. It, it, it's time. Now, look, the Nationals were not for us in Baltimore. They weren't a nice reprieve. But for the rest of the baseball world, the Nationals were a nice reprieve. You, know, you get to see a fun team that nobody expected right. to be there. I think the Padres are that team this year. I think that okay. the, the, the Padres are going to somehow find a way to beat the Dodgers this year, and they're going to get to that World Series. So who wins your World Series then, if, in, in that case? The Padres. The Padres it's, win the World it's Series. A, it's the Padres' year, man. So I, I, I have another NOS team. I have the Dodgers winning the World Series back-to-back. No to back. way. Back-to-back. Back. No way. Hey, you can never count them out. This team is just too good. They're man, too loaded. While we're at it, I might as well just take Ryan Mountcastle for take to rake, right? I mean, yeah, you might as well. <laughs> uh, a bit of, bit of front-running here on the bat around in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. AL MVP. I'm going to let you do your MVP, your runner-up, and your dark horse candidate. I have Mike Trout for MVP, and that I, I think it just makes God, sense. you're a front-runner. I know, I know. You're such look, a front-runner. Look, Mike Trout's the best player in the world. Can you really No, ever- he's not. Juan Soto's better. You think Juan Soto's better? Juan Soto is a monster. Fair Juan, enough. Juan Soto's a freaking freak. I almost cursed. He's so good. He's, well, get, get, he's And he's 22. He's the best hitter in the world. Agreed. Anyway. Best hitter. But Mike Trout's a better overall player. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah. I do have Juan Soto as my NL MVP as well. I shouldn't have said that yet. But that's, that, right. that's who I do have as my NL MVP. But, but who's your, who's your runner-up in the AL? My, so my runner-up in the AL, it, it's a tough one. And I actually didn't prepare this because I hadn't seen your notes when I wrote this. But there, I mean, there's, there's a ton of guys. And I, I think that... You, you, I'm gonna have to come back on this one. I gotta think. Yeah, for, for, for the sake of time, we'll let you think about yeah, it, and, and we'll come it's back. It's a tough to decision it. here. All right, maybe we'll come back to it uh, to close the show, um, and, and think about a dark horse candidate. Yeah, sure. As well. Okay, so for me, AL MVP, Shohei Otani. Oh wow. Okay. I, I got Shohei Otani because he's gonna pitch. He's gonna hit. He's every full season as a hitter, he's been phenomenal. He is fun. And, and, and I think I think you're looking at 30 to 40 homers from him that he's been absolutely mashing. In spring training, I think that he's going to get an opportunity to pitch. And if he's mediocre, if he's a four, four, five pitcher, and he's that kind of a hitter, he's your MVP. Uh, and then I look at my runner-up, Mike Trout, because he's okay. yeah one of the best players in the world. Um, and then my dark horse candidate, and this is the homer in me, Ryan Mountcastle. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing actually. R- I, Ryan, it, it did cross my mind, guys. I, it, he can hit the ball. Ryan, if, you he, if you haven't realized it yet, he can. There is nothing that he can't hit. Yeah. Ryan Mountcastle is a freak, and you're going to see it this year. Greg Amsinger is on that train. He said he thinks that Mountcastle going to hit over 300, over 30 homers, over 100 RBIs. I, I think he's a 30-homer, 30 30-double 30 guy. Uh, he's not going to win the MVP, and if, but if the Orioles were better— if the Orioles had a, had an 85-win team this year, he'd get votes. So I have my runner-up in Darkers ready. For my runner-up, I'm going to go with Yoan Moncada. Um, just being on such a great team, and he put up MVP numbers. Uh, he had a little bit of a down year in, in 2020, but he he was unbelievable in 19. So Yoan Moncada is my runner-up. And then my dark horse is going to be Aaron Judge. If he can stay healthy and he blasts 50-plus bombs, he, he's got to be in that conversation. Spoiler alert, he won't stay healthy. Um, yeah, you're probably right. All right, so we, we got to get rolling. Here, so you gotta get, we got to yeah. get John Mioli on the line, so we're just going to run through the rest of this. NL MVP, I have Juan Soto. My runner-up is Ronald Acuna Jr. And my dark horse is Nolan Arenado. And it's, it's odd to pick Nolan Arenado, who's one of the best players in the right. game, as a dark horse, but he's never won. He's right. never won an MVP, despite leading the league in the National League in home runs three out of four years. He had a down year last year where he only hit like 253 with eight home runs. He's on a new team. 
All eyes are going to be on him in St. Louis. He could put them over the top to get back to the NLCS. Uh, I really look at Nolan Arenado could be the difference for that team in the uh, in the Central this year. And this might be the year that he finally wins an MVP because he's going to show out there, especially being protect being protected by Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, so for me, it's Juan Soto. Um, I, I truly believe he's going to win MVP. And he's then my, the best player in the freaking planet. He's man. amazing. He's, he's so he's good. Truly, truly a one of a kind. But my my runner up is going to be Ronald Acuna. Um, I just think he's got a great shot. He's only getting better and better. Um, and then my dark horse is going to be Mookie Betts. And I'm not sure how much of a dark horse uh, a dark horse Mookie Betts could be because he is one of the best players in the world. But he's he's comes in third he, for me. He, He's he's a game changer on yeah. a, on a team filled with game changers. Yep. Um, Al Cy Young. I got Lucas Giolito. Okay. I got my runner up is Garrett Cole. My dark horse is Lance Lynn. Interesting. Lance okay. Lance, Lance Lynn, with the exception of 2018, because he signed so late in the season. You go look up that guy's numbers. That dude's a dog. He is very good. He's a dog. Getting on the other side of his career, but he's very good. Uh, it, it led the league in in, in wins a couple yeah. years ago. Uh, led the led the league in WAR for a pitcher for wow, pitchers yeah. a couple years ago. He's a big uh, acquisition from for the the White Sox this year. I really look at Lance Lynn, and I think that dude. When it's all said and done at the end of this year, he's going to be among the league leaders in a lot of categories. So for me, I have Shane Bieber as the AL Cy Young. I think Shane is just one of the most incredible pitchers I've ever watched in my life. Uh, my runner-up is going to be the same as, as as your winner, Lucas Giolito. I think, again, being on a team that's going to win so many games, Giolito will be a, a true force. And then my my dark horse will be Garrett Cole. Again, not so much of a dark horse, but again, just such a great pitcher um, You know, in every facet of the game. Uh, as far as the NL goes, who is who is your Cy Young? I, obviously, we're going to be a little late with John Mioli here. Yeah, but we'll... I, I'm texting to let him okay, know we're cool. a couple minutes late. Yeah. Uh, my NL Cy Young Award winner, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, it's got to be Jacob DeGrom. I, 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 thought DeGrom, I think DeGrom would have won it last year if it was a full season. The, the, he, he gets going by about the middle of the second month, and then he's unstoppable. He, he, is, he is unstoppable. Uh, my runner-up is Blake Snell. Same here. I was so tempted to take him as number, as my winner, but I just think DeGrom's is too good. I agree with you. And I, then uh, go ahead, go ahead. I have Jack Flaherty as my dark horse and more more of a dark horse pick that time. I think Jack Flaherty is a great pitcher and again he's going to be on a team who's going to have a lot of success and he's going to be the ace of the Cardinals staff. So Jack Flaherty for me. Ian Anderson. Okay. Is my is my dark horse. Two earned runs in the, he's in, great. in 18 in 18 and 2 thirds innings pitched in the playoffs last year, yep. 1 9 and 5 ERA in his six starts. He was just with the Braves. That dude is really, really yeah. good, and he's going to step on the scene in a major way this year. Might not be Cy Young worthy, but he could. He could be. Um, AL Rookie of the Year, uh, I got Randy Arosarena. Okay. Uh, my runner-up is Ryan Mountcastle. And the reason for that, Mountcastle might have a better year, uh, but Arosarena put himself in the national spotlight in the World Series last year and in the playoffs. Hit 10 home runs in October for a major league record. People know who he is. People are paying attention to him. His team was in the World Series last year. They could be they could be solid this year, too. Because for some reason, even though every year I think the Rays are going to suck, they win 90-plus games every year for some reason. And I think Randy Arosarena is going to really... He's going to have a nice enough year that he'll win, even though I think Ryan Mountcastle is going to have a better year. My dark horse is Dean Kramer. Oh, okay. My dark okay. horse is Dean Kramer, and it's not because I'm a homer. It's because I know who he is. 
Like I, I, know, I, I know what he can be. I see his potential. And if he pitches to about a three and a half to three eight ERA, he's going to be firmly in that conversation. Just like John Means was a few years ago, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, so the winner for me is going to be Ryan Mountcastle. I just believe the guys can hit the cover off the ball. My runner-up is going to be Jared Kelnick. Um, I absolutely love Jared Kelnick. I think if he plays in the in the uh, you know league long enough this year and doesn't spend too much time in AAA, then I do believe he will actually win it all. But I don't think he'll play long enough. So he's my runner-up. Um, and then I, I think my dark horse would probably have to be Randy Rosarena. I'm not totally bought into that. You know what? He, he's not going to replicate what he did in the playoffs, of course. No. But he's still going to be solid. And um, you know, I, I don't think he wins it though over Kelnick or Mountcastle. I think a lot of times it is a popularity a popularity yeah. contest. Like um, I thought Trey Mancini had a better rookie year than Andrew Benintendi did, but Benintendi won. Came in second because right. he because he or he came Aaron in Judge second. Won. Aaron yeah, Judge right. won. Benintendi came in second because he played for the Red Sox. I think it's a popularity contest. Uh, National League, and we really got to fly through these. Right. All right, Ian Anderson is my National League Rookie of the Year. My runner-up is Cabrian Hayes. My dark horse is Dylan Carlson. If you don't know who Dylan Carlson is, look him up. He's an outfielder in the Cardinals organization. Dude has a ton of power, a ton of speed. He's a five-tool player, and yeah. he's going to be a very, very, very solid player for the I, Cardinals. I'm just going to run through it real quick. I agree with the exact three, but I am moving Key Brian Hayes to my Rookie of the Year. I think Key Brian's incredible. He, All right. he is, he's got everything. Uh, and then your AL NL Comeback Players of the Year. Trey Mancini in the American it, League. It's, it's got to be Trey Mancini. It, 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 Trey Mancini could come out and hit 250 with 17 home runs. He'd win. And, he, and he's going to win the AL Comeback Player of the Year. In the National League, it's going to be Ryan Zimmerman. Okay. Uh, he, he's, he's relegated to DH duties these days. Didn't play last year because he opted out. Only had about 300 and some odd at bats in 2019. But this dude can still hit. And the dude has hit five home runs in spring training. And I think he's going to have a big year uh, for the for – the, uh, for the Nationals in in limited time, but I think he's going to play well. So I'm going to take Buster Posey. Actually, um, I, I think Buster Posey is going to come back and play better than than he has in the past couple of years. So Buster Posey's my pick, and we got to get John Mioli on the line. All right, Zach's going to get John Mioli on the on the line while he does that. Just remember that while vaccines are here and there's reasons to be encouraged, COVID nineteen is still a very real threat. Masks aren't going away anytime soon, so let's wear masks that celebrate our hometown and teams and athletes we love. Pressbox is offering three different types of home team masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter, plus a Celebrate 8 purple neck gaiter honoring the MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks, not CDC approved, but they're perfect for hanging out and watching games this fall while supporting your teams and being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash masks to get yours now. On the line with us from the Baltimore Sun, friend of the show and a hell of a golfer, we have John Mioli. John, how are you today? I'm well. What's going on, fellas? Glad to have you on the program, man. Thanks for joining us again for our kind of our opening day preview. Uh, John, let's start with the injuries. How are DJ Stewart and Felix Hernandez progressing? Uh, it seems like slowly for, bo- for both uh, Felix and DJ Stewart. I don't think the Orioles, you know, at least publicly, were preparing for DJ Stewart to not be in spring training games. What's well, now three weeks after he had this hamstring injury, but it's a hamstring, and that's that's how these types of things work. So he's almost certainly to be on the injured list to start the season. As for Felix Hernandez, uh, he threw a bullpen last week, and I believe on Thursday it was, and felt okay. But the Orioles seem like they're going to take it slow, and I don't know how someone you know, who basically has to stop throwing for that period of time can quickly get to the point where he could be you know, 
pitching in a major league game. So there's going to be some maneuvering that has to happen to get him to stay in the organization if they want to let him rehab this year and, and possibly be a solution for later in the season. Uh, we just we, we got word last night that Chris Davis is going to start the year on the 60-day IL. Uh, this is this is something that, that creeped up on him in his second at-bat of the first game of the Grapefruit League season. We're not going to see Chris Davis for a, for a good bit. We had Bob Haney on the program a little bit earlier today, and he said he doesn't think that Chris Davis is going to play at all for the Orioles this year. Are you kind of under the same thought process, or do you think we will see Chris Davis at some point? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a, an attempt to, to come back and do something at some point. You know, I think that there needs to be a demonstrated, um, you know, effort on his part and the team's part to show that, you know, this is something that he can or has tried to come back from. But this is not something that I don't I think there are a lot of tears shed on regarding on either side. You know, this has been this has been a difficult you know thing for Chris Davis to deal with. And it's been a difficult thing for the Orioles to deal with. And I think everyone's gone into this with their eyes open they know what the situation was when Michael Elias was hired Chris Davis said that himself and and you know Chris Davis is being well compensated for for all the personal you know physical emotional and mental issues that he's had to deal with over the last you know couple years with this contract but but it's not something that has been you know on the team's mind since he went away I don't think there's anyone Losing a lot of sleep over the fact that, you know, there's going to be two months without Chris Davis inside the Orioles, you know, clubhouse, coaching staff, front office. And, and I think that's telling as to, as to what the future looks like. Another guy that we haven't seen much recently is Anthony Santander. He hasn't been in the lineup for three games. Uh, is he injured? Are the Orioles potentially about to trade him? Michael, uh, uh, Brandon Hyde said that there's, he's not injured. He's been getting working on the backfields. Why has he not been in the lineup for three days? Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like you know you kind of have to take it at face value when he when he when he says that he's just been working out, you know, elsewhere and getting a lot of those at bats. The Orioles do have a lot of people who need to get those at bats in games more than him. You know, Michael Franco played first base. Rio Ruiz needed to be in there because um, he missed a week early in spring. We're kind of that's kind of been shuffled under the rug, but he's playing catch up with the bats a little bit too. You know, I think if he's not in there today or tomorrow, like like he would normally be, then you have to think something's up and. And, and and the full picture really isn't being shared, but but given you know, given the explanation that we got, all you could really do is is, is take one's word for it. Now has Heston Kerstad? He, he'd been uh, out with myocarditis. He wasn't at the instructional leagues. He wasn't at the alternate training site. Hasn't been in spring training. Has he arrived yet? Is he going to be taking part fully in the minor league spring training? What's going on with Heston Kerstad? When the Orioles announced um, that they were going to be doing the alternate site at Bowie, Michael Elias said he was going to go straight there. They weren't going to worry about getting uh, Heston Kerstad to Florida and dealing with all the you know the intake stuff there, and then having to travel some more. They're going to have him travel once. They're going to have him you know be in a place where I believe he's closer to the team doctors and they can keep a better eye on him and be in a little more controlled, um, you know, COVID safe environment. Given having that pre-existing health issue now than he would be if there were, you know, possibly 120 something, 130, however many minor leaguers they're going to have, you know, spread between Ed Smith and, and Twin Lakes, and and maybe not being in the intensive, you know, big league protocols to keep him safe. So I think that the the idea is that once that Bowie camp starts, he's going to be here and he'll be in a little more of a safer and controlled environment to start working his way back to to baseball form. And that will certainly be closer to the affiliate that he's going to start with. What affiliate does it look like? I mean, sure, he has to get his work in first, but if you were a guessing man, where would you say that he would uh, start the year? 
it, it would probably be Delmarva. You know, I don't think they're going to be in any rush to to get him going. I would I would be surprised if they send him. I, I guess I would. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would be surprised if they send him down to Florida to kind of do an extended spring training type thing. Even though there's really no. I don't know if that's a formal thing just yet in terms of how the minors are going to be set up, but I don't think there's going to be any rush, especially considering it's been over a year now since he did anything, you know, remotely physically taxing. John, would you consider the same thing for uh, for Gunnar Henderson? Delmarva is where he starts. That seems to be, you know, the place for a guy who's only, you know, 19, 20 years old. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he hasn't had a lot of those full season, you know, baseball experiences. And I think that even though all the alternate site, you know, work that they did and everything that had to happen there is, is is was good for the Orioles and good for the players. It doesn't replicate being, you know, on a full season team and playing every day for five, six months. And I think that that's where you started. You're not going to skip, no matter how high on somebody you are, you're not going to skip a high school kid a, a level like that just for the sake of doing it. John, with the, uh, the rotation is kind of starting to uh, show itself here for the Orioles as we head into the final week or the final few days of spring training. It looks like it's going to be John Means, Dean Kramer, and Matt Harvey getting the three starts in Boston to start the year. Was Jorge Lopez's start last night enough to solidify his spot in the rotation? And do you see Bruce Zimmerman rounding out the rotation? Or is it going to be somebody like Wade LeBlanc? I, I, it seems like at this point, all three of those guys, you know have a very good chance of being on the team. Wade LeBlanc obviously will because of the contract he signed yesterday. Jorge Lopez will because the Orioles aren't going to, you know, get rid of somebody who can throw a hundred plus innings and, and maybe, you know, maybe have most of them be pretty decent just for the sake of putting someone else on the roster. But I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, whoever hasn't pitched out of the bullpen in those first three games in Boston will be, will be, the one who pitches starts the fourth game. It's not going to be like they're going to be holding someone out and saying, "Oh, we can't, we can't use so and so," you know, on opening day or Saturday and Sunday in Boston because he needs to start that Monday in New York. They're going to kind of use everyone they have as they need them, and then you know Monday will arrive and someone will be the most fresh, and that's the person who goes. So I don't think there's any, I don't think anyone's going to you know be wearing a four starter sash and you know a crown when they. <laughs> when they get on a plane and go to Boston on on Wednesday or whenever they do that, I just think it's going to be a little more fluid than that. Gotcha, and that seems like it would probably be the case. Now, in, in the in the case of Wade LeBlanc, signed a minor league deal with the Orioles, and he requested and was granted his release just to sign a split contract with them the next day. Was that basically just to get him under a um, major league contract? What happened there? Yeah, honestly, not really sure. And it's not I, – I, I would even hesitate to call it a split contract because, you know, I know that's how it was reported initially, but he signed a big league deal, and he's you know a guy who doesn't have minor league options left, so he's going to be in the big leagues, or he's going to be out of the organi- out of the organization. You know, maybe he'll get a little bit of a better salary if the Orioles do end up designating him, and he stays in the organization. But but something happened in that in that you know forty eight hours. Maybe the Orioles were waiting to see if they, if Keegan Aiken was going to be better than he was in that Thursday night start. Maybe the Orioles, you know we're just trying to play a waiting game and then we're, we're waiting for a final diagnosis with Chris Davis, you know, even though his injury happened a month ago to see what is actually going on and, and whether they could put him on the six day injury list and just needed a little bit of, you know, cushion for the timing on that. We're going to talk to Wade LeBlanc today. He'll probably illuminate a little bit of how that went, but, but earlier this week, uh, Brandon Hyde was talking about Wade LeBlanc as somebody in the same conversation as Thomas Eshelman, who, 
could be a good depth option for the Orioles later in the season. And all of a sudden now he's going to be on the opening day roster. So something changed. It's just not really clear what. John, we, we've seen the Orioles make some waiver claims, uh, you know, a couple days prior to the season. Pedro Severino was one of them. And this is the weekend and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those will be the days that guys will be getting DFA'd, being cut. Um, is there a starting pitcher that you think the Orioles could be able to snag or, or even a position player that the Orioles could be able to snag, um, you know, from one of these, these waiver DFA's? I, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's something they're going to be monitoring. I don't know, you know, it's the same deal with the Orioles with Jorge Lopez. I don't know, you know, what situation a team would have to be in given the amount of pitching that's going to be required over what, what most teams believe they have to be getting rid of an actual, you know, legitimate or viable major league, you know, bulk pitcher. But if that happens, I would be sure the Orioles would throw in a claim and, 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 and try to get that player just, so they have that that cover in their own organization. In terms of who, it's pretty hard to, you know, go through a list of out of options players and on 30 teams and 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 say, oh, this person is a candidate. This person might not make this team. It's not really something that, you know, I thought about doing. I, I definitely did think about doing it, but then I kind of realized it was it might have been good effort after bad, and I didn't really go through it. I think that the main focus is that it's possible. You know, when when somebody does get dfa when somebody does opt out, that's when you look and say, oh, can this person fit versus saying, oh, you know, here's a bunch of people who could end up in that position and the Orioles should target them if they do. Exactly. Now, uh, John, Tyler Wells absolutely dominated the Yankees last night. He's pretty much dominated in every outing except for one this spring. He's a rule five pick. Is he going to make this roster? Honestly, that's one of the hardest things about not being there and seeing these games. So, you know, talk about dominating every outing except for one the one that he didn't pitch well in was one I was at and he looked like a guy who you know hadn't pitched in the high minors and hadn't pitched in two years and didn't look like he was really somebody who who was a viable option to be on a major league team for for six months especially a team that's going to be needing to shuffle pitchers on and off the roster and do all the things the Orioles are probably going to have to do to make it through the season but you know by all accounts he's pitched better since then it's hard to it's hard to know for sure when you're not when you're when you're not there and able to see it. But if the Orioles are going to take a Rule Five player, I think that he probably has the advantage over Max Roller at this point. Yeah, he's a big dude, six eight two fifty. That's that's a big guy to have out on the hill for you. So I I think that he would have the leg up. I do agree with you there. Um, were you surprised that Keegan Aiken was option given the fact that he? was in this rotation for the last month and a half of the season last year, uh, and he, and he for, performed fairly well, has not had a great spring, but I think everybody expected him to still crack the rotation, but now he's going to be starting in AAA again. Is that a surprise to you? Uh, it it, it kind of dawned on me last, last week, I believe before Team Kramer's most recent start, I guess that was on Thursday, Brandon Hyde was talking about how you know, his his fastball command hadn't been there. He hadn't been as crisp. He hadn't been as locked in. They really needed to see that change uh, in, in the last start for, for them to feel good about, you know, where he was at. And he'd said a lot of the same things about Keegan Aiken, where, you know, the fastball command's not there. Keegan Aiken's never had great fastball command to begin with. It's more, you know, throwing to an area than throwing to a spot. So I asked if, if those concerns were enough to keep either of those guys off the opening day roster if they didn't improve. And Brandon Hyde basically said, you know, there are considerations there, but but they've done it before in the big leagues, and they showed that they could do it, so that might win out. And then he went out and pitched poorly, and 
and I asked Keegan Aiken after the game, do you feel like you've made pitch well enough to make the team? And he basically said, I don't know. That's a tough question. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who, who are, who are in camp, you know, Bruce Zimmerman would say yes. You know, Dean Kramer would say yes. And the fact that Keegan Aiken couldn't say that for himself, I think was telling. So, you know, it's not going to change too much about what this team's going to be long-term. I think they still view him as a good back-end rotation option, but not if he's not in, in, in form and not, you know, in, in the delivery space to be an effective pitcher. And they just want him to get to that point. Moving over to the offensive side of things, Sean, Austin Hayes has come out this spring and just he's looked like the guy that was the first prospect from the 2016 draft class to debut at the major league level. Has he solidified himself as an everyday player on this team, or is he still looking at a platoon with with Cedric Mullins? Well, I think all those guys are going to get everyday at-bats, especially with T.J. Stewart not in the mix. There's really nothing keeping the Orioles from, from you know, using someone like Austin Hayes regularly and and putting either a Santander or a Ryan Mountcastle at at DH. And, you know, on the days that Michael Franco or Rio Ruiz is in there, I think that the platoon is probably more at third base now than it was in the outfield. That's not something the Orioles had as an option at the beginning of spring training when when everyone was trying to figure out where all these outfielders were going to get their at-bats. But now it is. Now that's something the Orioles can do. So, so it's good for somebody like Austin Hayes to have had the spring that he he has because I think that he's going to make it really difficult for him to be in in and out of the lineup type guy. You want you're going to want him in there as much as possible. Well, between he and Ryan Mountcastle, the offense has looked incredible the last week week or so, which is what we were all looking for after the slow start to the season. This offense looks like it could be formidable, John. Uh, how good can this offense be this year? It'll definitely be interesting to to, to watch it, you know, at the top of it, I think that, I think that unless the Orioles get, you know, a Jose Iglesias type of improvement from Freddie Galvis or Yolmer Sanchez, you know, this is going to, it's going to be a very top heavy group and it's going to be a group that really struggles to sustain, you know, isn't going to have big innings. There's going to be innings where all of a sudden those, those big guys near the top, you know, hit a couple of doubles and you score a couple of runs, but but then it's going to peter out. And I think that, you know, I think the top heaviness and the lack of guys who, who get on base at, you know, major league average rates is going to make this an inconsistent offense. It's going to keep it from reaching the heights that one that you would hope a group of players this talented could get to, but I think it'll definitely be a team that's worth watching. And I think that's an upgrade from some of the last couple of years. And so with that in mind, what is your outlook for the 2021 Baltimore Orioles season? Uh, I, I, they're not going to, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this last time, this time last year, I guess, well, I guess a week before the season started last year, all you heard was how anything could happen because, you know, this was a team that was a lot better and, they had all these pieces in place, and granted, it was a shortened season, but there was all this anything can happen talk, and I don't think anything can happen this year. I think there's one thing that's going to happen, and this team's going to lose close to 100 games, and and they're going to trade players that people want to see around, and they're going to continue to be a rebuilding team. And whether that's the case next year, the year after that, unclear. There's really no telling, you know, what kind of timeline they're on without a minor league season. But the reality is, this team is in one of the tougher divisions in baseball, and they're very very pitching challenged and they're relying on people who haven't either haven't done it before or haven't done it well in a long time other than john means and that's not really a recipe for success to to be good in a six-month baseball season so i think it's going to be there are going to be more individual things 
player-wise for for fans to get excited about. I think there's going to be I think there's going to be some progress for for position players and you hope that there's some pitchers that join that mix too, but it's not going to be a very uh there's going to be times this season where it's not going to be very pleasant and I think that I think it's important that everyone kind of realizes that. So, John, I asked this question to Bob Haney as well earlier on the show, but is there a prospect that you could see? You know, Gunnar Henderson was kind of the one last year where he exploded at the alternate site, and everyone was saying that, you know, he really rose up in the prospect rankings and that he's going to be a star. Is there anyone you could see kind of breaking out for the Orioles as a prospect this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's him. I think I think it's honestly Gunnar Henderson. I don't know. You know, I think Jordan Westberg kind of took a big leap in, in the instructional league and it was telling, you know, I compiled the baseball America rankings. The top tens were due at the beginning of October before the instructional league. And you didn't really hear a lot about Jordan Westberg and his, his standing in the organization climb to the point that, you know, there was a lot of regret that the deadline was when it was, so he couldn't be in the top 10 after that. So I think he's somebody who could have a good, you know, who could show that there is that kind of breakout um, potential for him. But I think Gunnar Henderson, you know, he needs to actually do it to solidify any of this. He's still a young player. He hasn't, you know, had the kind of production that I think that teams are, that teams would hope for from a prospect just because there wasn't a season. So I think he's actually the guy who, who, who would be, excuse me, who who would be in that category. And I think if we wanted to stay on the infield, I was, I was a big believer that Adam, Adam Hall was going to have his breakout last year and he was going to be a guy who went to Frederick and, and really took the next step and didn't really get that opportunity in 2020. So I think that he might be on that list as well. I love Adam Hall. He reminds me so much of Brian Roberts, just the way he plays, the speed, the defense. I, I, I love me some Adam Hall, so I'm excited to see that myself, John. Now, something else that we're excited about, everybody's favorite segment. We are bringing back Take to Rake since the regular season starts on Thursday. Uh, so basically, John, uh, you may have done this with us last year a, a time or two. Take to Rake, we each pick a player that we think is going to have a big week, or in this case, a big game, since there's only one game between now and our next show. Last year, I won this little season-long game, uh, so I get to pick first. I think our guests had the most wins after that. So, John, you'll pick second, and then pulling up the rear, our co-host, Zach Goodman. It's, it's going to be a better year, I promise. Came, it's going to be a better year. Dead last last year, and I don't let him forget it. So I'm going to take the first pick here, John, and I'm taking – I was going to take Trey Mancini, but I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, that that dude is just such a professional hitter. I think I think he's gonna have a big impact right out of the gate. So I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle for my take direct. What do you What do you have for me, John? Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks for leaving. Thanks for leaving the obvious choice for me. I mean, Trey Mancini goes to Boston and he hits home runs. You know, that Green Monster might might as well be might as well be 200 feet from home plate the way he hits there. So he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna hit a home run on opening day and probably add double and it's gonna be it's going to be the biggest story, you know, on, on an opening day where all 30 teams are playing all at once. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be pretty cool to be a part of. I yeah, did, pre- I did predict that he was going to hit a home run on opening day also. So I'm glad we're on the same page there, but that's a, that's a great pick there, John. Go ahead down. Look, if I take Anthony Santander, he's going to get traded tomorrow. So I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Austin Hayes. I think he's tearing the cover off the ball. He's going to stay hot in Boston. So Austin Hayes is my guy. All right. So I have Ryan Mountcastle, John Mioli has uh, Trey Mancini and Zach Goodman has, Austin Hayes. There will be a trophy to the winner. John, uh, we will present you with the trophy. We'll, we'll come all the way down to the Baltimore Sun. We'll yeah, present d- you with that trophy. At, at, at the end of the year, if the <laughs> guests have more have more wins than anybody else, somebody will get a trophy. So we, we promise that. John, thanks so much for, for humoring us and indulging us with Take to Rake. Thanks for coming on the program. As always, have a great year covering the Orioles this year. 
appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. All right, have a good one. Take care. All right, that was John Mioli for the Baltimore Sun coming on. Uh, I love having John on the program. John's A, he's a really good guy. Yes, he is, for sure. B, he's... There, there are some writers there that are the cream of the crop, and he's right up there along with yes, him, for uh, sure, uh, covering the Orioles. Um, so and always very insightful, and he keeps it real. You know what I mean? He's he's not gonna, he's not. What are you pointing at? Oh, the uh, the print edition over there. So I can do my live read here before we go to break. You have it. Oh, I do. Yeah, you you you. It's right there. It's no, no, the the actual print edition. Oh, oh, oh my, my bad, my bad. Um, can you turn me up a little bit there, bud? I can. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, no, John, John's very insightful, and I like that he keeps it real because it's this is the time of year where we look at the Orioles and we say, you know what? Matt Harvey could be could turn back into the dark night, and John Means could look like an, could be an all-star again, and Dean Kramer could be rookie of and the then, year. And then we get sobered. Because and, 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 then we, and then we get sobered, like last year when the Orioles lost 13-2 to on opening day. So John keeps it real. This team's going to lose close to 100 games this yeah. year, and there's going to be times when it's not a lot of fun, but there's going to be times when you see the progress of the rebuild. So I, 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 like, like, I like Bob Haney's prediction of, of 70-92. and 92. I think yeah. that's attainable, and that would be exciting. I would love to see a 70-win team. That would be. I know I, it sounds bad, but I would love to see a 70-win team. I told somebody the other day, and this was right after I watched uh, Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle just put on a hitting clinic and a defensive clinic in Austin Hayes' case. I told somebody, oh, the Orioles are going to win 75 games this year. Uh, Again, I need to sober up a little bit. The 70 wins, I think, is a high watermark for this team. I think 70 wins is about the best that we can expect out of this team. Um, Zach, I almost called you Ryan. I'm sorry. Zach is going to pay some bills here, and then we're going to get our final break before we come back and close things out. All right, the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a lengthy Q&A with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as he candidly discussed the impact the pandemic has had on the team's rebuilding effort, Chris Davis, Adley Rutschman, and much more. Inside, find our special college lacrosse feature, introducing you to the men's and women's players at all of the area schools. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. Uh, hybrid RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to get a break and come back to finish the show. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Since masks are a part of our lives now and probably will be for a while, we might as well wear masks that celebrate our hometown and the teams and athletes we love. PressBox is offering three different types of masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch net gaiter, plus a Celebrate 8 purple net gaiter honoring the MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a 
updated version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks. They're not CDC approved, but they are perfect for hanging out and watching games this fall while supporting your favorite teams and being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com masks to get yours now. Hey, Dad, can we try one of those hoagie things? <sighs> Sorry, son. We aren't hoagie people. What do you mean? Son, we're Royal Farms sub people, like my daddy was and his daddy before him, like you and me and all the folks we know. Gee, Dad, I never thought about it like that. So you're saying hoagie people are... Aliens, son. They're aliens. <laughs> Royal Farm subs are Baltimore's best. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a lengthy Q&A with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as he candidly discussed the impact the pandemic has had on the team's rebuilding effort, Chris Davis, Adley Rutschman, and much more. Inside, find our special college lacrosse feature, introducing you to the men's and women's players at all of the area schools. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That, that Glenn Clark radio music, you love it. I, I, I do love it. It just, it puts me at ease. I don't feel like I'm in such a hurry because I want to listen to the music a little bit. I do love it. Can you turn me up a little bit there, my man? Thank you. Um, so, good, good opening day preview for the Orioles. We got a lot of roster uh, talk in, a lot of uh, predictions. We talked about the new Dominican uh, Republic Baseball Academy that the Orioles going to be unveiling in the next 18 months or so. Uh, super exciting for this franchise. Uh, we very, did, very big deal, for it, sure. It, it's, a, it's a huge deal. We can't overstate how big of a deal this is for this franchise. It, it, it's, this is what's going to keep the Orioles competitive for a very, very long time. For a very long time. You're looking at a, at a franchise that, because of this, because of the farm system, because of the people that are in charge, they we're not going to see five, six straight years of losing again. Right. We're, it's not, we're not going to have 14 straight years of losing. It's just not going to happen. Sustainability, that's yeah. the goal. Sustainability. Yeah, exactly. And for a team that had one losing season from 1960 to 1986, to now have just 13 winning seasons in the last 38 yeah. years... Uh, the Orioles need to get back on track, and they're 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 there. They're 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 back. They're they're, they're when I say they're there, they're on the path to getting back on track. Right. They're almost there. It's it's coming, guys. It's, it's, this is like the stepping stone season. You know, next year I think in twenty twenty two, I think they will generally be more uh, inclined to maximize wins. I guess is the right word for it. So. This year is the stepping stone year. You're going to see prospects. It's going to be somewhat fun. Um, there's going to be a lot of bad losses you're not going to enjoy, and then I'm sure we'll rant about on the show. Yeah. But it's going to be very important for the Orioles in a lot of the reasons, you know, as as far as player development goes and and prospect development goes. So 
it, it's a big year, even though it may not seem like it. Even if they lose 100 games, this is important. This is the stepping stone it, year. It's, it's, a, it's a huge year for the for this rebuild, and you're going to see a lot of guys like yeah. Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes. I, I can't Zantan wait for there, I can't wait. Trey Mancini. They're... John's right. This lineup is going to be very top heavy. Yes, you know because then once you once you get past the top four or five guys in the order, then you're you're, you're looking at Michael Franco, uh, who's probably your best hitter after that 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 top group. Right. and you're looking uh, at Freddie Galvis is okay. Freddie Galvis, uh, Yomer Sanchez, but then again, not many teams have you know like. Key cards, right? I mean, one it's, through nine. it's not the Dodgers where the Dodgers every player is a superstar. Where the Dodgers so. have a twenty to thirty homer guy on their bench yes. every night just because well, yeah. they can't play him every day. You know, that's that's an embarrassment of riches yeah. out there out there in L.A. So look, we got uh, opening day starting on Thursday. Man, this is this is my Christmas. This is my favorite yeah. day of the year. Every year, I'm looking forward to drinking some beers, having some hot dogs, and watching some. Uh, Watching some Orioles baseball with my lady on Thursday. Hopefully not, hopefully not thirteen to two again. But you know, yeah. uh, if, if that happens, it's may, all right. maybe thirteen beers to two hot dogs, <laughs> um, <laughs> or the other way around. The other way around, 13, guys. Thirteen hot dogs sounds better, honestly. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 I don't know what it would happen after thirteen beers, but <laughs> and there's no way you've seen this. But back in like 1996, it, Will Ferrell was on SNL Weekend Update playing Harry Carey, and he's standing there with Colin, um, Colin O'Brien, Colin O'Brien, and it was when the Yankees were playing the Braves in the World Series. And he says to Colin O'Brien, as Harry Carey, Hey, Colin, the hot dogs at Yankee Stadium are so good. I once ordered 12. But I only ate two because you just can't eat 12 hot dogs. I, I love 90s SNL. It, it, I haven't it, seen that one, though. Will, Will Fer- Dude, just look up Will Ferrell playing Harry Carey. It's the funniest stuff. My, my friends call me Whiskers because I'm curious like a cat. I'm telling. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry. Maybe it's, Paul should be on SNL instead of the bat around. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just one of my favorite characters of all time. Will Ferrell playing Harry Carey. Check it out if you've never seen it. Anyway, this is my favorite day of the year. Uh, the home opener is a, just a week after that on April 8th. We got Orioles Red Sox Thursday afternoon 2:05 from Fenwick, uh, Fenwick from Fenway Park up in Boston. You have John Means. It was supposed to be Eduardo Rodriguez, but it's going to be Nathan Nivaldi. and Nathan Nivaldi absolutely dominated yeah, it, the Orioles last year. The, the Orioles can't hit his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And he dominated them again the other day. They, they lost yeah. a, a game 2 nothing that he started. Uh, they, as soon as I saw that, I was immediately upset. I, I knew – I already can see the way it's going to go. He had three starts against the Orioles last year. I think it was something like 25 innings pitched, yeah. two earned runs, and like <laughs> like 30 strikeouts. The, 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 yeah. the, the dude – what and his his ERA was like one. He, he's a, he's it. a good pitcher, but he's he looks his, like Cy Young. His compared ERA to the last year was sub four because of his three starts yeah. against the Orioles. Against every other team, his ERA was above five. Yeah, he absolutely dominates the Orioles, but they can't catch up to his fastball. That's simply it. I am inclined to disagree with you now. Okay, I think Ryan Mountcastle, you know? Mountcastle, Santander, and Austin Hayes. I think they can hit him. Now, whether yeah. they do is another story. But I don't know that he's going to have the same dominance. But the Orioles also remember they lost 13 to two to Nathan Navaldi on opening day last year, so maybe they have that sour taste in their mouth. So it's the Orioles, Red Sox, John Means versus Nathan Navaldi on Thursday. They don't play on Friday. Then they're playing Saturday, I believe. At um, Saturday's game is at 1:10 p.m. against the Red Sox, and Sunday's game is at 1:10 on uh, against the Red Sox as well. Looking like it's going to be Dean Kramer uh, on Saturday and Matt Harvey on Sunday. And then the Orioles head to New York for three games before they come home to play the Red Sox again in the home opener on all, on uh, April 8th. Wow, I almost said August because like it was last year. Right. 
But, uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to, you guys. Major League Baseball is back. The regular season is here. We're excited. We're going to go because, I mean, I-, I think we have to make official record predictions if you're, oh, no, if you're down yeah. for that. I am, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You I, were right. I, Why I, am I, I trying to leave early or late because it's 12 after 12? All right, my record prediction, 67-75 is, is where I'm going to go with that. Um, and Wait, wait, wait. Start again? Is that is that not right? You said 67 and 75. You mean yeah. 67 and 95? 95, sorry. I mean, I, yeah, 67 95. Sorry about that. Yeah, so I, I think the I think the Orioles, you know, they have certainly a, a lot of work to do, um, And but 67 wins, it's attainable. I think that's what they're going to have this year. And, yes, 95 losses, not 75. That would be, that would be weird. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, no. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. The Orioles are making the playoffs. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I am going to drink the Kool-Aid. The Orioles are going to go 72 and 90 Okay. this year. Yep. I, I think they got 72 wins in them. I, I believe that Chris Holt and the Orioles analytics department has a, a, a finger on the pulse of this pitching yeah. staff. And I think that you're going to see some – there's going to be a lot of ups, a lot of downs this year. But I think ultimately the Orioles are going to win 72 games this year. Uh, the pitching is going to get better at the towards the end of the year, and by the end of the year, we're going to see glimpses of what this team's going to look like in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think one of the the interesting things is going to be the opening day lineup versus the closing day lineup because they will look completely different. You'll see your your, your key guys like Ryan Malcast, Austin Hayes. Those guys are going to be there, but who is catching? You know, who's playing? You know, right field. Is it still Santander? That's the stuff we're going to have to look at, and uh, you know, the starting rotation as well. So. Yeah, I, it's going to be an exciting year for sure. And by the way, uh, last night to catch the Orioles on MLB TV, I believe the Braves are broadcasting tonight. So if you, okay. if you want to catch them on uh, you know, on the 27th, you can catch them tonight at 6.05. Apparently, I've already used my seven-day free trial probably like six years ago. <laughs> Just create new emails and then keep, keep getting with the free I try, trials. I, I tried that. It, it doesn't, doesn't work, work that really. way. Okay. It doesn't work that way because it's hooked up to, your, to whatever your smart uh, yeah. tablet, phone, whatever it is. Um, so it wouldn't let me. So I'm not paying 25 bucks for, for one game. For one game and then... Uh, Catch, get get it for free on Tuesday. Um, I'm on the record of not wanting to trade Anthony Santander. I said last year I think he's going to be the best player to come out of this rebuild, not named um, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I'm taking a step back from that because I think Ryan Mountcastle is an absolute beast. Um, but uh, I just don't think you know what you have in in um, Justin yeah. Diaz. Yeah. Uh, Heston Kerstad, he's, he's, he's never played an inning, and he had myocarditis. You never know how long that, uh, like the long term impacts of that. Uh, I think that there could be room in the outfield for both he and uh, Santander. Uh, four years of control, switch hitter with power, gold glove defense. I'd rather the Orioles keep him than trade him. But if they get something Fair big, enough. if they get something big, they can get Nick Madrigal to be their, their yeah. everyday second baseman from the White Sox who just lost Eloy Jimenez for the year, basically, with a torn pectoral. Fill then you a make hole. that move. Fill yeah. a hole. Fill yep. a hole. Fill a hole. <laughs> I was about to say something inappropriate. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining the bat around. You know, even though we're everybody's getting vaccinated and we're kind of getting closer to being putting this pandemic behind us, still remain socially distant. Be vigilant. Wear your masks. Stay safe. See ya.